Welcome to Season 3, Episode 2 of the Nostalgia Mixtape, a podcast that celebrates all things that give us nostalgic feels from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, as well as new pop culture events with a throwback twist. I'm your host, Ty Gooden. What's up, world? This is your girl, Christina. And today, we'll be talking about just a few of our favorite 80s sitcoms, shows, and theme songs. But don't worry, we won't be singing any of them because we are not trying to get sued. Before we get into all of that good stuff, make sure that you follow us on all the socials. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Nostalgia Mixpod, and you can also keep the conversation going with hashtag Nostalgia Mixpod if you have any reaction to what we're saying or any additional thoughts of your own. Please make sure you subscribe to us. We are on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean, and rate our podcast so that way we know what you guys think, what you like, what you don't like. We be so grateful if you would rate us in a positive manner, but we'll take any feedback that we can get from you all. So, what's up? What you been doing? What's going on with you? Not really a whole lot. I've uh, just been working, not really, you know, kind of in that lull of the summer where you're just kind of putting your head down and getting your grind on. Um, school's out, which means there's a lot more... Ch- uh, teenagers and children at my job and it's driving me up one wall and down the other um but you know otherwise life's good um going to raleigh this weekend to see Endgame with my best friend who hasn't seen it yet um which is kind of crazy because it's literally been out for like two months but two two months came out april right yeah so about two months now that's crazy i mean uh, i just don't i don't see how you can really and some people i know don't really care about spoilers and stuff there or they may not be right. into it they may be like a casual fan like whatever but i can imagine if you do care about care about any kind of spoiler or how would you even try to avoid that type of stuff especially for this movie because it was such a big deal right like it's huge uh she's not really like on the internet that much like she literally just deactivated her facebook page so she's not on i mean not on twitter not really on instagram so i could i could see how she could avoid things um that we'll makes see. Sense. it should be it should be fun to watch it with somebody who hasn't seen it yet though um, i've seen it a few times um and i could probably quote many parts of the movie at this point um but it'll be fun to watch it with her and i think her husband hasn't seen it yet either so that should be fun. Um, and yeah, that's just my life. It's kind of boring. But, you know, hopefully, you know, I'll be getting into a little bit more trouble this summer. We'll see what happens. I mean, sometimes boring is good, especially coming off of a string where you were super busy. All those big movies and stuff came out and everything. Yeah. Like now you get a chance to kind of relax and regroup and, you know, all that good stuff. Yeah, it's weird because, like, I feel like the summer blockbusters that used to be a thing back when we were younger either are not that big of a thing anymore or have moved. Right. Because, like, you would think that Endgame would have come out in the summer when more people would have been able to see it, like, during the day versus coming out in April when people are still in school. Right. Um, There's really no summer blockbuster season like that anymore. They're not like it used to be. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's really strange. Because, like I said, Endgame came out in April. You would think it would have came out in, like, May or June um, when more people could have seen it. more people could have seen it during the day for the most part, not just night. Um, and it kind of would have been spread out a little bit more. It was just, it just seems like things are shifting. I mean, but then again, like the entire entertainment industry as a whole is changing. And right. nothing is the same as what it was even like five years ago. Um, and I don't really see like anything coming out this summer that's going to be like, holy crap, this is huge. Like, right. we, we don't have like our 
Will Smith taking over for like an Independence Day, yeah, yeah, like that that doesn't really happen anymore, and it's a little strange. Uh, It feels weird. Uh, I think the Lion King will do well, but I mean, people were expecting, you know, Men in Black International to do well. It didn't do as well as most people expected it to. Um, And that's a shame because I just saw it. Like I literally just saw it last night. I was a little late on the curve with that one, but. Um, my kids have been gone. And so I had an anniversary with my husband, went out of town and we went to the Outer Banks and we just kind of spent a few days just shooting the breeze, eating, hanging out at the resort and just doing mm-hmm. what we wanted to do. Like that, that sounds like a lot of fun. We always have so much shit that we have to do all the time. Like you got to go here, you got to go there. This person has to be there. You know, you got work and you get like so into your daily routine and stuff. So mm-hmm. it was cool for us to just hang out and enjoy each other's company and be cool. So I didn't get a chance to see Men in Black until last night, and I actually really liked it. I've heard it was funny. Um, yeah, it was. Tessa it was genuinely and funny, Chris and they have really great chemistry. chemistry. Yeah. So I love I'm the two of them sad. together. But I, I feel am... like the marketing was kind of meh at best. Yeah, I wonder... It makes me want to learn more about marketing movies and how that happens, because there are some movies that like work I don't know. It's just weird how people market movies sometimes. And I Mm -hmm. often feel like, why did you do that? You could have done that better. This could have been promoted more on certain channels and stuff like that. Um, Like I follow a few few people that like talk in depth about marketing in general. And then, you know, people who talk about like marketing movies and TV shows and stuff like that. And it's just, it's weird. Marketing, if I'm interested, I'm interested. And oftentimes I find myself watching things that like, not a lot of people are interested in like sensate for example like we both love that show it was a fantastic show it just wasn't Mm -hmm. promoted or marketed well and it could have been a big deal but netflix is some busters and so like i wonder what was their thought process behind the way that they marketed and promoted that show right why did it fail because I mean, if you're going to spend $100 million on a season of a show that's brand new that ain't nobody heard of, like, that's Game of Thrones money. Um, right. I think you would put a little bit more behind promoting it so people would continue to watch it. Not that people weren't watching it because they were, obviously, but... But not the numbers that it probably would have warranted if they had actually put the time and the effort to go in there because you had a few recognizable faces and all of that. Right. So, and then especially with men in black, I mean, you're talking about Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth right now. I mean, everybody knows them. Everybody They've knows them. been in a lot of things. They literally were just in, in all movie. of these Marvel movies <laughs> together. Like they were literally just in Endgame. They're two like huge stars right now. And so it's taking over really a beloved franchise at that. Oh, yeah. So I don't, I don't understand where that was, but I mean, I saw it and I liked it and, I w- it's something that I definitely would like. I don't know about necessarily it'll necessarily hold the same place in my heart that like the mm-hmm. original movie does, but right. it's something I would definitely watch again. Like, and that says something really. Yeah, because there's movies where I'm like, that was good. I will probably never watch that again though. Right. Yeah, but this is something I definitely could see myself watching like more than once. I mean, they were really witty and funny, and I liked her characters background and story and kind of what they learn from each other like it was it was some unexpected some unexpected things in there that i really like well i will check it out i don't know when i'll see it um but i definitely want to see it it looks i love chris Hemsworth. he's just 
incredibly gorgeous. And Tessa Thompson is also like adorable and badass. Yes. So yeah. uh, he makes her look so tiny. Like she's wearing heels in the movie and she still looks yeah. incredibly tiny beside him. And I'm like, how big is he or how small are you? Or is He's it both? like six, seven or something like six, six or six, seven or six, five. Like he is super tall. Right. You know, Robert and I feel Downey like Jr. she's small too. She is. For a woman. You know, Robert yeah. Downey Jr. wears heels in scenes. <laughs> a lot especially sure. in like the marvel movies because he's the shortest one like between the big three him chris evans and chris hemsworth like he's the shortest one and he often wears lifts because he is so much shorter than everybody else on the cast but i mean you're like a five seven dude next to a dude that's like six two right dude that's like six five so i mean you're talking about somebody that's almost a foot taller than you plus they're like super swole and meaty the both of like right both of the chrises and he just looks tiny next to (laughs) (laughs) it really does but his personality is huge so it makes up for it it does we love we love him yes oh so what we say we were going to start doing from last time last episode we said we were going to be tweeting about polls and and just kind of sharing some things about the season and everything so what we decided to do with our future episodes for this season since we're doing this whole 80s nostalgia type thing and since we're actually live tweeting and interacting with you guys about pose we want to start off with a segment called this week in pose which i mean the name is a little eh, because we only record bi-weekly so we'll more than likely be covering two episodes at one time instead of one episode each time um, except and- for next week's except for the next uh, episode because I they decided know. they want to skip two weeks and <sighs> Yeah, and the way it's going to line up with our recording schedule, we probably won't have a This Week in Pose because <laughs> we'll more than likely be re- recording like the day before episode four comes out. How rude. I know. <laughs> so we'll have, to do, we'll have to hang on to episode four and loop it in with episode five and we'll just, we'll make it work somehow. But we want to talk about the show because we think it's just awesome and it ties right into our theme and why not talk about it? Because literally almost everybody is talking about the show right now. So episode two, and if you guys, again, if you have not watched episode two or episode three of Pose, spoiler alert. Yeah, fast forward for a little bit because we're going to be spending a little bit of time on this and then we'll jump into the nostalgia recap. But in episode two, so what I thought we should probably do is break it down by like each character because there are so many main characters and everybody's doing so much in each episode. It's easier to just talk about it like one character at a time. Gotcha. So we're... Blanca in episode two, she secured a spot for Vogue Nails. Yay. But the owner tried to kick her out because she didn't realize that she was trans at first. But her son, I believe it was, mm-hmm. came back and said, Yeah, you know, this person isn't who you think they are. And once she kind of put together the pieces with that, she went back and tried to kick her out. But now she's got like a lawyer and she's going to try to fight for her space based on, I mean, she was going to let it go at first, but then Praytel was like, No. Fight for your space, fight for your right to be there. And I love that because, and I love the fact that she's fighting for it. I just hate that she has to fight for everything because of who she is. She ends up having to fight for a lot. And not only is she fighting, like she's fighting for her life. She's fighting for her business. She's also fighting for her kids a lot of times. Right. Um, So it's, it just seems like Blanca can't catch a break a little bit. Right. And the crazy thing is that no matter how bad people lash out at her and treat her, She's always there for everybody. Uh, yeah, and we'll get to that in the next episode because sometimes she needs to she needs to draw some lines in the sand. Girl, listen. 
So I think one of the fav- one of my favorite things in episode two with Blanca was when she had that conversation with Angel about the hurdles that she faces because she doesn't pass as easily as Angel. Right. Um, which I, I'm assuming most people that listen to this podcast understands what that means. But in case you don't, um, basically in the trans community, passing is being able to walk out of your door and for people to look at you and perceive you as the gender that you identify with. Right. Pretty much. And I'm so glad that they actually talked about this on the show because I think it's it's just such an important topic that doesn't necessarily affect people like us that are cisgender in our daily lives, but it's of supreme importance to a lot of people in the trans community because passing first, it's about opportunities. Mm -hmm. So if you look at like a lot of the famous women or famous women now that are trans that have kind of gained this prominence in recent years, you've got like Janet Mock and Laverne Cox, folks like that. When you look at them, the first thing you notice is that they're absolutely gorgeous. Like, yeah, they fit into that stereotypical box of what we perceive a woman should look like and what we perceive attractive or what we think attractiveness should be for a woman, for a woman's standards, you know? Exactly. And like, it's, it's great that you bring up Jeanette, Jeanette Mock because one, like you said, she's gorgeous, but like she just signed a deal with Netflix and Mm -hmm. you know, it, it's kind of like a bookend to the story of Blanca a little bit because here you have Blanca not getting a role or like a place to house her business because she is trans and Jeanette Mock is just soaring above everybody and everything and just achieving so much. Janet. Janet. I don't know why I call her Jeanette though. <laughs> like I feel like I've heard people call her Jeanette, but anyways, soaring up and above everything that, I'm certain so many people thought that she would mm-hmm. never be able to accomplish. And it's just so beautiful to see that. Like, it's so beautiful to see it. Um, it is. But, you know, it's kind of crazy. Um, I remember when she was on the episode of Oprah and she actually addressed pretty privilege and how she's been able to kind of make some strides and get further than some of her trans sisters have been able to because mm-hmm. she acknowledged that it was because of the way that she presents and the way that she looks, you know? Right. Like when she started her writing career, she was working at People and she was a writer and an editor and everything. And she worked for years in the entertainment space and no one even had the faintest clue that she was trans. She chose to tell that story and she chose to open up about that. So unless you had like known her from childhood or from, you know, like any kind, any earlier part of her life or whatever, then you may not have ever even known that was a part of her life's journey or her story. Right. But again, I always, and it's not taking anything away from like her and Laverne Cox. They're, they're brilliant, you know, talented women and stuff. But I always wonder, would they have been able to get that far if they were the kind of trans women that present more masculine? Right. You know I, what I'm saying? I, exactly. Because a lot of people, it's almost like people intentionally like just don't even pay attention to the fact that they are trans people because they are Mm -hmm. so pretty and because they present so feminine it's almost like you know they just kind of sweep it under the rug because you know it's easier to deal with that way instead of 
Right, where they feel like it's more socially acceptable than if they were to see somebody who had a certain build to their body or someone who had, you know, a certain face shape because they have, you know, these soft, again, it's about what we, you know, what our society attributes to be feminine, quote unquote, versus masculine, you know? So if they were to see a trans woman and she's got, you know, a certain body shape or a certain face shape or something like that. And, you know, again, it's, it's a spectrum too. So there are some trans women out there who aren't taking hormones to, you know, soften their features or whatever, you know, whatever their purpose is or whatever. So they do have a different bone structure and body structure and everything. And so, because you don't fit into that, you're a subject to so much more ridicule. Um, And it's kind of crazy on the show because Blanca MJ Rodriguez, who actually plays Blanca on the show is very pretty. I think she's pretty for sure. So I think they kind of play it up on the show a bit more than what it really is. I mean, I don't, I don't see where, in the scope of real life that she would really encounter that as much, you know, Mm -hmm. but in in the context of the show, she's supposed to be the ugly duckling among all these beautiful people. Right. Like Electra has told her, you know, they've made jokes about her, you know, her beard shadow and Electra said, you know, you ugly, you know, called her ugly duck and Mm -hmm. whatever else she's called her and everything like that. Talking about her hair and all that stuff. Yeah. And her fashion. It's just so, it's so hurtful. Like I feel, I feel bad for her. Yeah. Like in the scene when her mom passed away last season, like, you know, one of her cousins or aunts or something like that made like a comment, like at least she got a better, better wig this time around or something, something crazy like that. Like they're always trying to find a way to like dig into her and it, it, it's annoying, especially considering the fact that she pours out so much to other people. Um, She's loving, man. She got a heart of gold. Leave her alone and let her prosper. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, so talking about passing, I mean, it's so important because, like I said, it's a matter of privilege. But then it's also, depending on where you are and a lot of the situations that trans women unfortunately end up in, it's a matter of survival, too. Absolutely. Because you don't know, again, if you go outside and somebody looks at you and they perceive you as, you know, a so-called man in a wig or a man in a dress or where, however they want to wrongly identify you. Right. That could lead to you being hurt. That could lead to you being killed. I mean, look at what's happened to so many trans women of color over how many years? I mean, even if you look at the past couple of years, so many people have died for right. just simply walking on the street and minding their business and being themselves. And, you know, it's because somebody else looked at them and felt uncomfortable with their presence that they feel like it's okay to harass them or abuse them. Yeah, it's really... There's a moment in the next episode where uh, Peppermint from RuPaul's Drag Race is playing a character on the show and she recalls a story, Peppermint's character recalls a story of her being beaten, basically, and how, mm-hmm. you know, the entire situation did not go in her favor, even though she was not in the wrong and what so and like I kind of had to turn my head even though like it's there for you to see it for you to realize that like this is something that happens and this is real but like it was it was heartbreaking (laughs) in a way that like I haven't had a show break my heart before right yeah I mean that that passing privilege is real that pretty privilege is real and you think about it again with that character you know if she had present if she looked like a Janet Mock Right. Would it have been taken differently? How would that have turned out differently for her? You know, so I mean, I think that conversation between her and Angel and then also Angel having to kind of realize and recognize her own privilege, even within their community, because she's so beautiful and, Mm -hmm. you know, considered to be when, when most people look at her, they don't look at her and, you know, see something different. Right. Then then what she actually identifies with her. They look at her and see a woman. She identifies as a woman, you know, within the context of the show. Even the mm-hmm. actress uh, or the actor, excuse me, because India Moore um, is non-binary. 
even when they did the cover shoot for Vogue as the first trans person up there, you're also still seeing this very beautiful person. Absolutely. Like, on the front even, of this magazine, you know? There's part, there's something that makes you not even question right. what she is at all because, like, she's beautiful. Like, she's absolutely, absolutely gorgeous. Um, Angel, the character, and, you know, India Bore, absolutely gorgeous. Right. Regardless. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it's an important, gorgeous. you know, it's an important thing to talk about. And again, it just lets you know, even with all the things that you and I personally face, I mean, because it just as women in general, there's a pretty privilege, you know, that kind of plays mm-hmm. into our lives and stuff. But even the things that we face being black, being women, it still doesn't even compare to that extra layer of things that they have to face in society, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. And I also liked, um, moving on from that, when she was scolding Ricky and Damon about missing that funeral because mm-hmm. they had went out, they were with some friends, they out there, you know, they just voguing for everybody, just voguing, voguing, voguing away. And she checked them on that. She's like, look, you know, we have fun. We do, you know, we do the ballrooms and stuff, but it's not about being trendy and being cute. This is about family and standing up for each other and us coming together and supporting each other in our time of need. It's like that same conversation that they had with Electra in the first episode when they had the die-in and she decided not to come. Right. And you got to stand up for the people, mm-hmm. especially in a situation like that where like you guys are already a part of a marginalized community because you're one, you're black. Most of you are people of color and you're gay or trans on top of that. Like mm-hmm. you have to kind of look out for the other person um, because there is strength in numbers. Um, and the only way that all of you are going to come out of this on the other side of it is if you guys do it together. Right. Um, so you can't just blow it off. I, I get it. You want to go out and party and it, you're young and it's fun and all this other stuff, but like, but you can't you know. turn a blind eye to the right. real injustices and stuff that are going on and to the, into the dark parts of what's happening in your society too. You know what I mean? That, right. that guy that died was their age was like Damon and Ricky's age. So right. She, they needed to see that to to be a reminder that, hey, you know, while and I think so many of us, not just, you know, anybody in the LGBT community, but any human being. I mean, when you're in your, you know, late teens, early 20s, you feel like you're going to live forever. Yeah. And you, you feel like you're feel kind like of you're like, invincible. you know, invincible. Yeah. Yeah. And so they need to see something like that and be reminded that, hey, you still got to make smart moves and be careful. And I love how she opened up to them about some of the missteps and mistakes that she had made where she was just kind of looking for looking for this love and this acceptance and she was just kind of giving her body to anyone not because you know she was making an empowered decision about you know having sex with somebody but she just wanted to feel something exactly yeah just wanted to feel loved and you know wanted and desired versus everything she had been feeling otherwise right Um, and it's sad because i mean that's you know that's uh, unfortunately one of those experiences ended up ended up with her contracting HIV. Um, and now she has AIDS and she finally decided to tell the kids about it. Which, whew, that was a scene. I know. Because, I mean, up until this point, the only person that knew outside of Pray Tell was Angel. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, was this before a bunch of them left? It was before a bunch of them It left. was. So there was yeah. definitely more people in the room. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, so she told a whole lot of people and stuff. And then she decided to finally take her meds, which do you think she's actually taking them like she's supposed to? Or do you think she's so wrapped up in life 
that she's still not fully addressing what, what's going on with her health. I think if she is taking them, she's probably inconsistent with them. Mm-hmm. Um, like not taking them. If it's something where she has to take them every day, she's like taking them every other day or taking them when she remembers. Um, because I've known people personally that like, part of it is probably a scarcity mindset. One, she's scared because of the side effects and all the other stuff. But like also, you know, they had a conversation about the fact that those meds are expensive. And what they end up doing is just, you know, taking meds. And this is terrible. We should not be in this place in the world. But like taking meds from people who have passed away already. Right. To give to other people. Um, the barrier, I mean, the access barriers should not be that way that you have to do that. Right. It's, it's so just sad. It's probably a little bit of like, I'm taking them when I remember them. And also, I don't want to run out. Um, so I definitely don't think she's taking them the way that she is supposed to. Um, so, yeah, that's what I got to say about that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree with that. I do think that she's probably way. doing it, but she's she's probably not doing it like she's supposed to. I think part of it, too, for me is that I think she's just so so invested in living and so invested in her kids and stuff like that. And and you do that sometimes. And I feel that as a mom where mm-hmm. you don't always put yourself first and put your health first. And you're so busy taking care of everyone else and trying to make sure that they're okay and that they're getting the things that they need to be able to get by day by day that you can literally go out the whole day and you're like, Oh shoot, forgot to do this, forgot to do that. Or you don't even really think about yourself and then you just flop down in the bed and you're exhausted because you've just served and been been of service to everybody else all day long. Mm-hmm. You definitely can't uh, give to other people so much that there's not enough for you. Um, and I don't think I don't think Blanca has learned that boundary yet. Of, right. You know, again, setting she that line not. to where I, I can't <laughs> I can only do but so much for everybody else. Um, which I clown later in the episode, we find out that like half her house abandons her. Um, and there's less people and I crack jokes cause I'm like, ain't but like three people left in the house. Um, <laughs> but it honestly might be like a good thing that like that house only has four people in it. Well, it's I think it's her, people? I think it's her core group cause it's, it's, it's Blanca, it's Poppy, it's Damon and Angel. And Angel. And that's it. Yeah. But it's that, it's that core group or whatever. Cause yeah. I don't, I mean, I guess, where, where, I mean, where's Ricky? Did he just, I guess after him and Damon broke up, he just moved out, right? Mm, I, I'm assuming so. <laughs> we just, we don't know where Ricky is. Speaking of Ricky and Damon, in episode mm. two, Ricky came back from the I'll Be Sure tour. Uh, little birdie in the street said, ooh, Ricky was cheating on Damon on the tour. Um, Damon got upset with him and they had a big argument in front of Blanca and everybody where Damon admitted that he was still sleeping with Ricky without protection, like Blanca told him not to do. <sighs> and in the end Damon ends up breaking up with Ricky to really just kind of figure out what he wants and to focus on himself which I think was the smarter of decisions that he's made recently I think Ricky cheated (laughs) just I know he says he didn't and he kept you know he just like was adamant about he didn't but I think when you're out, I mean, you're talking about being a young guy. You're out there on tour with I'll Be Sure. You're exposed to all these people. You're going to places that you probably had never gone before. I think he got caught up. Oh, in most the fast definitely. Life. Yeah. You take a kid from the projects and then you put him on the road with like, you know, 
people he's never been around before and, you know, people being all over him because of his proximity to the artist and the fact that, you know, he's one of the backup dancers. And, right. you know, it's the 80s, so all sorts of excess and crazy things going on. That kid probably went buck wild. Yeah, he did. And I'm like, I know you're not about to sit here and lie and act like you ain't do no nothing while you was on tour. Seriously? Right. Seriously. And then Damon, I'm like, come on. Like, I'm, I was glad when they went and got tested and test came back negative or whatever. Now, Ricky said that his test came back negative. Did Damon actually ever confirm the results of his test? I don't think so. I feel like he didn't. And that kind of bothers me. Well, yes, I, I think it was meant to bother you because I. Mm, yeah, and I may need to go time. back and watch that episode. Like episode three, I got a chance to watch it twice. Um, but episode two, I've only seen one time. So I think I'm gonna go back and watch it because I feel like Damon didn't confirm and I don't like it. I don't like this. I, mean, I don't like this at all. I don't really like Ricky anyway. So there's that. <laughs> what did Ricky be, do? I, he didn't do anything. I just of all the storylines going on, like. In most TV shows, there's like six or seven storylines going on at the same time. And then there's always that one storyline that you really don't care it's about. Like, eh. And it's Ricky and Damon. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm much more interested in in Damon. Um, and I think he was a... I think outside of Ricky, he's just a, a more dynamic and interesting character. Because, I mean, he's got yeah. things going on at the... They could go back to... Where, where's the lady? Where's the dance school? Is, does Damon That's, go to dance school anymore? Now see, that, he at home he does. magazines and stuff. I want him to go back to the he dance need to go to school. I miss the dance teacher. The dance teacher was awesome. Right. So let's bring her back. Yeah. So I don't know what Damon is doing, but he's at home being sassy and reading magazines. And I'm like, Damon, take your butt to school. How about some of y'all in the house find some jobs? Like, let's let's do that. Well, to be fair, Poppy has a job. He actually gave up on the streets and stuff like that. And he's yeah. supposed to be working a regular job. In episode two, Angel and Poppy, it's just, I just, I don't know. Them supporting each other, her taking the pictures and all the stuff like that. And just the energy he's been giving towards Angel this season has been, oh, I love it. I ship them so much. Angel might be, I mean, not Angel. Poppy might be might be my favorite character on the show now. But. I love Poppy and I love what they, how he's grown. Like he's probably so far as far as growth. Um, and I know there hasn't been a whole lot of time for a whole lot of people to grow like that outside of like Blanca, who's obviously your main person. But I've really liked the way his character arc is going. Same. I love it. Love it so much. He is very like, here's the thing about Poppy. Poppy plays like tough guy on the outside. Mm-hmm. But Poppy's just a big softy. He and that's is. The thing he just wants a, he just wants a family. He just like loves love and wants to feel yeah. love he like he wants romantic love he wants familiar love he just he just wants to feel like he belongs somewhere like he has a home exactly and i mean he's got it now so hopefully this will go and it'll have its bumps but hopefully this will go in a positive direction you know what poppy reminds me of like i've been re-watching um paris is burning the documentary that Pose is kind of pulling a lot of his information and some of his storylines and stuff from. We're gonna we're gonna get to more of that in episode two. Yeah. So in the in the um in the documentary, there were these two young Latino boys that kind of popped up a few times throughout. And the you know, a guy was asking, he was like, Well, how old are y'all? It's like two o'clock in the morning, what are y'all doing out here? And one said he was like twelve and one said he was like thirteen. But I could totally see that being poppy when he was younger, where they're just like, mm-hmm. you know, he was like, Well, I don't have no mom. 
I don't have no dad. Like I'm just out here in the streets hanging, you know, hanging out, doing my thing and everything like that. And I'm like, oh my God, that's like a younger version of Poppy right there. Right. Somebody that was just kind of, that's just been in the wind for most of their life. Yeah. I could definitely see Poppy being that person. Cause like, I don't think we've gotten to know like any of his family, right? It's just, we met his, Poppy's just kind of, yeah, been... we met his cousin last season. Cause remember he got mixed up in not in that drug foolery or whatever. Oh yeah. That Tom foolery. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, we don't we don't know much about Poppy's background or or his relationship with his family. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely just flap. Well, was flapping in the wind. He's kind of found his 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 roots a little bit. But yeah, we do. I like Poppy a lot, and I mean Angel, you know, kind of doing her thing and everything like that. I, in episode two, I love when she helped Blanca kind of vamp up her style game. I'm like, y'all yes. are too sweet. Like I. I know that Blanca's supposed to be her mom and stuff, but they just have right. such a sisterhood to me that I really, really adore. That their dynamic might be my favorite dynamic because mm-hmm. I mean, we also know that I think it was said in a couple episodes where um, you know, Blanca is kind of grooming her to be over her own house at some point. Um Right. Like there's a little piece of me that wants them to like maybe not necessarily this season, but maybe next season after Angel has grown a little bit become co-mothers like candy and lulu yeah better than candy and lulu because candy's a mess um <laughs> she is candy's new name is can get right <laughs> oh man <laughs> i like that co-mother idea though and you know i think right. they kind of set the seeds for that because when blanca told um angel that she was hiv positive she told her she was like you know one day i'm not going to be here and you're mm-hmm. going to need to make sure that these people are okay right so I feel like they already kind of like planted that seed for that. So I could, yeah, I could definitely see them being co-mothers. But Angel does still have some have some growing and stuff to do. And and right now she's kind of on her own journey, um, you know, that we'll, that we'll talk about in a little bit. Mm-hmm. So who else? Pray tell. I have named Pray tell the king of funeral shade because Ooh. this man be at everybody's funeral just talking cold trash about people's outfits. Else. Like he's talking about the dead. Like he's just... He does so much. Him and Nurse Judy. I'm like, you could give me your, I mean, like, I could just do a, like, a little mini series spinoff with mm-hmm. just them going to funerals and being shady to each other and all the people around them. I love him so much. It's funny. I was watching that funeral in that episode and Candy and Lulu and their messiness were just talking straight trash. And here come Pray Tell popping up between the two of them like, you hussy. <laughs> He like y'all just ain't got no home training. Go sit down somewhere. And I'm like, pray tell you been you been talking trash and being shady too. How you gonna tell somebody to go sit down? Uh, because he is pray tell and he can do that. <laughs> he is a mess. But he I is. love how he gave Blanca her props on being a good house mom. Um, and I like how he was not there for the fighting in the ballroom because Electra and Candy were really about to fight in that episode. Like, yo, okay. So Electra had a blade, the right? Ballroom and Candy had something club. else and they was literally about to go at it. Like it Does wasn't Candy- just throwing shade. Like Candy got to stop. Candy had a hammer or something like yes. that. The ballroom turned into fight club and it was sad and pitiful yet also hilarious because on the one hand you've got Candy and Electra going at each other when Electra decided to come out with her new house and then like five minutes later you got Damon and Ricky and this other dude fighting in the bathroom right. and you're just like <laughs> and Pray Tell was real? just like okay we're done here get out <laughs> just everybody go home everybody go home because <laughs> people were yeah. really acting up that night I was like yeah y'all stop it stop it right now I need more Pray Tell 
Who doesn't? Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I feel like this season so far has been kind of pray tell like. Yes, and I don't like it. I want more pray Especially, no. Because I love, I love his dynamic with Blanca too. Because like, he's the one person that she can go to and confide in. Exactly. The most, like really be able to confide in and get like solid advice and stuff. Because while she can go to Angel and other people, she, I feel like she still really can't fully open up to them because Mm -hmm. again, they're her children. She doesn't want them to be worried about her and her well-being exactly you know but like with pray tell she can really like open up and talk about like her fears and the things that's bothering her so i i love it i love i love pray tell so much a part of me feels like pray tell like in terms of like age and stuff like that that like pray tell and electra are a little bit older than everybody else yeah and then there's like blanca candy and lulu on like one age bracket and then like angel poppy damon and everybody else on like another age bracket right so, yeah if i could guess i would think that Blanca was probably, what'd you say, like early to mid thirties? Yeah, but like just just yeah. in a sense of like, because we know Damon's like at this time he would probably be gotta what, be in his 19? early twenties. Yeah, yeah, he's maybe nineteen twenty because he was seventeen in in season one at the beginning in like eighty seven. So right. now they're in ninety. So yeah, that would make him about about twenty. Um. So not only are they really good friends, Blanca and Praetel, but like I feel like she sees him sort of like an elder in the community right like somebody i can go to and be like look i'm going through this situation and he's been there done that read the book wrote the book he's like a father figure too he is yeah um, very much he's kind of a father figure to everybody which is why he was like all y'all kids gotta get out of here like y'all ain't about to ruin my house (laughs) i love him and so i think we mentioned this a little bit earlier but electra she didn't went out so electra just had a lot going on in episode two and she got even more going on episode three y'all but episode two we finally discovered that electra is a dominatrix Elect- like we, we which we, is we know how she's making her money now and i am so here perfect for it <laughs> job for electra like the perfect job for electra and i'm just gonna say this some of those people make a metric crap ton of money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I, I ain't gonna lie. I mean, it had me thinking for a second. I was like, dang, because I mean, she, I was, you know, she had threw out a couple of prices and stuff like that. I'm like, back in 1990? That one dude gave her like $700. Right, I was like, like counting on my fingers, like, <laughs> wait a minute. And that's 1990 money. So I'm like, now, what does a dominatrix make? <laughs> make me want to go to the uh, Googles and be like, what do dominatrixes make in 2019? And so she can shut up. I mean, even now, I, I wouldn't other be people's homes. She got one more time to go into somebody's house <laughs> and like rip the tablecloth off the table. Right. <laughs> she is the worst dinner guest of all time. The worst like, house guest. She always going into somebody's house making all these demands and stuff like that. It's like, what, what am I doing? You're late. Like, you're complaining. You don't eat the food. You talk trash about everybody at the table. And like you said, and then she leaves and ruins the whole dinner. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. This is dinner. Like, Jesus Christ. Just go. Just go away. Um, doing the most. And it was funny because she, you know, was raising all kinds of craziness in the house of Horosity's actual house. And I'm just like, just go start your own house again. Like, just, just right. go. clearly you can't like get right with anybody else. So just go make your own house. And like five minutes later, she comes back and it's winter is coming, which I'm mad that they've used that as a line. Right. Game of Thrones comes later and you just can't be saying winter is coming. Like it's just not. Yeah. I think they just did it in there for just funny, just funny fan service. But I mean, she's not lying though. Cause they look good. 
Like, they do. You can say whatever you want to say about Electra, but she she can spot talent, and she knows she how to put it together and package it together. Like she is a, a diva and a legend on that ballroom floor. She may be trash yeah. in real life to a lot of people, but she can work the ballroom. Me and my sister are wondering where she gets all them props from and how does she get them in the ballroom? Like the big clamshell thing and then the, the Marie Antoinette dress. Like what are She got to be stealing more stuff from museums and everything. I mean, I, I feel like anything is possible for Electra. She stole from the Salvation Army, which is probably still one of my favorite scenes so far. I just don't understand. Like, who steals from the Santa Claus with the Salvation Army? She stole from the museum. Like, she just be doing That was a good plot, though, the stealing from the Salvation Army. Like, that was A+. It's my favorite. So if she could do this stuff, I will will allow it. Like, she can bring in whatever kind of weird, crazy prop she wants to. Ain't no telling where she got that stuff from. But she definitely stole it. Like, I don't picture her actually making any of this stuff. I, I don't know what. Electra got the most going on. Uh, pretty much and I was pretty much. and I mean if her and Candy were gonna fight I was like I kind of want you to cut her because Candy really be getting on my nerves sometimes Candy gets on my nerves in every single episode because she <laughs> always trying to step into a category that she ain't got the juice for right you need to just go sit down and then she thinks <laughs> Pretel is dragging her all the time but I'm like you getting drunk you because you deserve foolish. it like you look crazy go sit down you look foolish you cannot vogue you cannot dance up until like the beginning of this season, you didn't really have curves to be in the category right. for femme queen realness and whatnot. Just go sit down. <laughs> go sit down somewhere and try, go home and practice. You can't just like, I think I read Candy for this last episode too, but like she's always stepping into a category at the last minute because they didn't get awards at anything else. I'm like, right. so you really think that your non-voguing self can step into a category that you have never walked in and think you're going to win a trophy. Right. Just if you haven't won in the categories that you prepared for, go home. Right. Like lick your wounds, take up your take up your mat and leave and be good and just come back next time. I mean, everybody is a, it's a win or lose thing. You win some, you lose some, but it is what it right. is. Y'all going to be right back there next week. Right. And here's another thing. So this is a thing that I haven't thought about. Well, me and my sister were talking about last night when we were watching. So there's a lot of trophies floating around in the ballrooms betwixt the houses and stuff like that yeah me or you like do you think that like it's a thing where they have a ball once a week and then they just bring the old trophies back and then redistribute them yes okay (laughs) (laughs) i mean i can't imagine that they are producing that many trophies to give out and people are just like keeping them because when you look inside of i feel like like when you look inside of blanca and them's house have you really seen trophies like that in the background? Nope, not at all. I feel like I might have saw some at six foot. I, I feel like I might have saw some at like Electra's, like way back when they in the beginning when they were um abundant or whatever. But that would check out for her because I could see where she wouldn't bring things back. Yeah, <laughs> so she probably just like confiscated them, and she's just making them her own at this point. That's just sad. She's a she is a whole mess. So anything else about season? Not season two. Mm, anything else about episode two? Nope. Let's see if that, okay, yeah. Okay. All right, so let's move on to episode three. Um, Episode three starts off with a bang, basically, um, because uh, Electra is banging on Blanca's door because she done screwed up. Um, 
I don't know why Blanca answered the door. She just needs to um, not. <laughs> she should have just hid <laughs> and been like, right. whatever you, whatever the reason is that you are at my front door right now, like, you don't need to be here. Like, you already left. You went to somebody else's house. You raised hell there. You raised hell here. Like, mm-hmm. it should have been, you are not welcome. Point blank, period. End of discussion. Blanca's heart is just too good she, for her own good. I feel I feel for her because she's just one of those people that she's just going to love somebody until the very last straw. Absolutely. And I don't... It's because she's a young mother, basically. So she doesn't, right. I think, get it all the way yet. But she definitely shouldn't have answered the door because Electra just came with some mess and some craziness. And, you know, you... She's putting everybody in that house in jeopardy, for lack of better words. Um, because you find out that, you know, with Electra's new job, which absolutely perfect for her, by the way, um, you find out that, you know, she left some dude in her lair, I guess? I, I, don't, I don't know what we want to call it. Her lair, chamber, whatever. room, something like, I don't know what, 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 what do dominatrices call the room that they work in i don't know i don't know uh if <laughs> anybody knows feel free to write us i have questions anyways um but like she left some dude in there and he died and she doesn't know what to do so she went running to blanca which i don't really understand why you would go to blanca like what is she gonna do i guess blanca is just like i said she's the go-to person for everybody and she's just the most level-headed person so i guess she figured that blanca wouldn't would tell her the truth and be upfront with her i mean just somebody she can trust like people know they can trust blanca so i guess that's why she went i mean i guess but her whole thing was blanca's whole thing this should have never happened anyway though like i would i what is happening i said this (laughs) when the show premiered and i said this to you just like why did you leave the room like the dude was like give me 20 minutes and i'll be good you should not have walked out of the room when you had somebody like he had done drugs and then he put a mask on his face like Like, and i don't know how drugs and masks work together but i'm assuming that the mask would impede your ability to be able to breathe and slow down like oxygen to the brain and then if you've done drugs it just seems bad like you have somebody in a gas mask you have them on drugs that you don't really know what their effects are and you literally have them tied up to a point where like Right. They cannot get out of the situation that they are in. And you can't hear him. Why would you leave? Because he's wearing a mask. <laughs> and then you leave the room. So, like, if, you know, once he starts pulsing, basically, because he's drowning, because he's... Anyways, like, you leave the room. That's incredibly irresponsible. And, like, you sort of kind of brought this on yourself. Because, like, like, she went to go get, like, a cup of tea and, like, painted her nails and was, like, She was gone longer than 20 minutes. With the other girls. And I'm just, like, what did you leave the room for? Like, you're going to just sit in the corner and doing so I'm nothing. I'm, like, Electra, you was gone for, like, 45 minutes. She really Like, was. bare minimum. She really, really <laughs> was. Um, and so she knocked on Blanca's door because she needed some help. And... Then they go to Candy, and I'm just like... Well, Blanca told her to call the cops. Right. And Electra and I think Listen. most people that were watching were like, hell no, we're not calling no. the cops. Like, a white man just died in the presence of a black trans woman. There's no way that that's working out in her favor. 
Not at all. Which is sad. Which, I mean, makes sense. That, that, that's the state of affairs that we're in, that they were in then and that we're in now is that people of color and, and black people feel like they can't trust the people that are supposed to protect them. Right. Um, you know, you get introduced to a new character, which I can't remember what her name is. I think her name was, was it like Euphoria or something like that? I think it was Euphoria. The one that told the story, right? Right. She's Peppermint mm-hmm. from RuPaul's Drag Race, whom I love. Like, yeah. I, I love Peppermint. Um, and, you know, she talks about a situation where she ends up in an altercation with a man, um, and he kind of lashes out on her and pretty much beats the brakes off of her in front of some cops. Um, and Howard just didn't, you know, go in her favor because of the fact that she was a trans woman, um, and they basically believe right. the man as opposed to her, even though she's the one... Like, they literally, you see it on the episode, like, her getting beat by this man. Like, yeah, they pull up as he's beating her down, and she's lying in the street, and he's on top of her, beating her. Right. And, like, they just side with the guy that was giving the beat down, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't understand what. Yep. Anyway. Sent her to Rikers, and then did you notice, like, the sign that she was holding in front of her for her mugshot had her, had her dead name? Had a male name on it? I did not notice that, but it's not surprising mm-hmm. because I'm fairly certain they probably... I mean, Rikers is a male prison, correct? So I'm assuming that they put her right. in a male prison versus... I was like, oh my gosh. Prison. Um, just tragedy all around. So they, you know, they... I mean, and they just call everybody. So the first person, she went to Blanca, and then Blanca called Candy, and then Candy called Peppermint, and then Candy and Peppermint... No, Candy and Electra went to the chick that messed up Candy's, like, you know. Uh, yeah, the the Latina lady, or the Latina I don't know lady. exactly what her, yeah, what her background is, but she's the one that does the fake butt injections and all that right. stuff. And apparently she knows how to get rid of bodies. Why? Just... And so now you've drug five <laughs> other people into conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> but I do appreciate the fact that Electra, and I know it was, it was so funny to me when she, she's in, they're in Blanca's house and Electra tells Blanca basically to go to her room like your mama would tell you to go to your room right but I appreciated her doing I that because you. she didn't want Blanca to get caught up she was like look I know we're about to do something that's just straight up illegal and that if it ever gets found out we could go to prison for a very long time for this and I don't want you to get caught up in that because this is not your concern I'm your mother let your mama worry about what I need to worry about and you be my child and live your life so I appreciated that from Electra I was like look at you being Still a halfway decent mother. person Still trying to be a mother a little bit. For five minutes. I mean, I'm fairly certain she's dealing with some type of PTSD, for lack of better words, from kind of adjacent killing a man. Like, Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine. Right. Um, So they proceed to do some things, and I keep saying this in all caps on the internet, and in Ty's text message, in our text message thread, there is a dead body in the closet. <laughs> there is a dead body in the closet. So let me tell you, me and Ty had a conversation oh, a couple days ago before this episode premiered because she got a screener for it. And she was also watching Paris is Burning. And I was like, oh, so do you know that one of the characters in Paris is Burning, not characters, but like one of the people, because they're not characters, they're not characters. One of the people that was on Paris is Burning they found out later that she had a dead body in the closet. And I, I was just I got like, silent. <laughs> yeah, I just got silent because the thing about like being a writer and getting screeners, guys, is that you are supposed to keep your mouth shut. 
until after that thing airs. Like you, you can tell people that you've watched it. You can right. give like a general review, but you are not supposed to give spoilers to the internet, to like your mama, me. to nobody. So I was like, I am just going to be quiet, and all I'm going to tell you is that you're going to be tripping off this episode. And then there was a dead body in the closet, and I was like, Oh <laughs> crap, they did it. <laughs> And I oh mean, just, she's just gonna. It was know? like it was dark, but then it was kind of humorous at the same time. Like the, seeing them wrap that man up like he was a like a fetus in a cocoon. I was just like, what? What is happening here? Yeah, and like it's a so closet, closet underneath the shoes, and I'm just like, so is there gonna become a point where you're going to expose a sex trap? Like, are you? Is this going to be a thing where, like, later in the season, like, we don't talk about it for, like, the rest of the season until the end of the season, and there's, like, still a dead body in the trunk? Like, is this what we're going to do? Right. Because <sighs> that's going to be creepy, and I want to be looking at Letcher sideways for the entire rest of the series. There's a dead, like, I'm going to see her. Because there's the a dead body in her closet. Exactly. Every single time I see her on the screen, I'm going to be like, there's a dead body in your closet. There's a dead body in your closet. You should probably do something. So, anyways... Moral of the story is, there's a dead body in the closet. Um, moving on. <laughs> uh, Angel and Poppy have a thing? Are we, yes. are we official now? Let's, let's talk about it. Well, they've got an official ship name, according to Pose and according to Janet Mock. They're calling them, and I'm assuming you pronounce it as Pan, because it's P-A-A-N. So P-A for Poppy, A-N for Angel. I didn't know if they were going to go with like Pangel or what they were going to do, but I can do Pan. That's probably about the that's about the best you're going to be able to get. Those, those names are kind of hard to mix up, they and we are. don't know what Poppy's real name is. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'll go with it. I'll, I'll pick Pan. Um, I like it. it's cute. Uh, it'll grow. But I do. I, I loved it so much. Um, like their kiss, and they finally kissed, and he finally admitted that she was the girl of his dreams. Right. And I mean, I just I just think that's so dope that they're showing a trans woman and a cisgender male in a showing love for each other and being in people and them loving each other and him loving her openly and saying that, you know, you're my dream girl. You're the woman that I would desire and want to be with. Cause we don't see that enough on TV. Definitely not. Um, I think it's so beautiful to see. Like, I mean, Angel's gorgeous. Poppy is a dope person. Like I would hang out with Poppy. Mm-hmm. Like, this season, Poppy, not last season, Poppy, and the drugs. Yeah, he's good looking, too. He yeah, really Poppy didn't glow up this season. He, even in, like, him out, the guy that plays him outside of this show, like, his personal style, I'm like, you, you're amazing. Like, you need to be on mm-hmm. the cover of magazines, too. Um, but their relationship is just so cute and so beautiful, and I love the fact that they're, like, trying to figure it out, because, you know, Angel, um, we'll get to kind of what what's going on with Angel, but like they she gets he gets stood up. They go out, they're supposed to be going out on a date and he gets stood up. And mm-hmm. you know, he's understandably angry about it. But at the same time, like he's not as mad about it as he could be because he realizes that this is her dream. This is the one thing that she's wanted more than anything in the world and she's right. achieving that goal. And he's like, I totally understand why you stood me up. You so miffed about it but i get it and i'm not as mad i just need you to understand that like if this is going to be a thing like i am also important he like sits there and tells her like i need you to understand that i'm a prize too 
on top right. of, you know, your modeling career and stuff like that. And it was just, I love that scene so much. Like I do. I, the whole energy of that, like the fact him recognizing his own worth. Because again, when we were talking about Poppy um, for in episode two and just kind of him in general, he's been floating out in the wind and feeling like he really didn't have anyone to love him and anyone to anchor himself to. So for him to realize that, you know what, I'm somebody that's worthy, like right. of your love. I'm worthy of your love and I'm worthy of being loved in a, in a good way. But I also love how he supported her exactly. too, because you have so many of those stories where it's like, you know, well, choose me or choose your career. What are you right. going to do? You know, and I'm glad it's not that way because that's what a real man or a real woman would do. Exactly. You're not going to ever try to hold nobody back from the things that really, they really want, they really want to pursue for the sake of a relationship. Exactly. It's so many times it's one or the other, not let's try to figure out a way to make this work so both of us can be happy. Um, right. Because, you know, I saw, I've read a, somebody I follow on YouTube um, made a quote one day or said something, I think she heard it from somebody else. And basically, it's like when you're in a relationship, you're in three different relationships. Well, there's three different relationships. There's your relationship with yourself, your partner's relationship with themselves, and then your relationship with your partner. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where we're going with this, where, like, Poppy's kind of coming into his own this season and being, you know, the reliable one, the one that looks out for everybody, the one that takes care of everybody's needs when they're kind of down and out. Um, you know, Angel is coming into her own, getting into this modeling thing and stuff like that. So there's both trying to figure themselves out, but also like trying to figure out their relationship. And I think that's just really, it's just really adorable. And I love it. And I want it more of the two of them. Better. My sister hates it. She hates all this lovey dovey stuff, but I'm just sitting here like, oh, so. Well, I mean, with this show, you really don't get a whole lot of that. Like, right. you had Angel and Stan in season one, but to me, I really didn't see that as a love story. It you definitely know? wasn't. Yeah, I mean, because to me, it was more like he had had this like fantasy and this 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 almost like this fetish that he wanted to fulfill. And exactly. that's what he was kind of doing with Angel or whatever. Like a lot of people are like, you know, oh, I loved Angel and Stan. And I was like, why? I mean, this was a married dude with kids who was not being true to who he really, you know, not being true to who he really was. Right. And I mean, there were a couple of moments in season one where he was not he was not kind to Angel at all, you know. He treated Angel... And she was always honest and open with him, and he was not kind to her. Not at all. He treated her like a toy that, like, you know, he had finally gotten the toy that he always wanted and was just kind of playing with her versus, like, Mm -hmm. truly caring about her. Because, you know, she put him... He put her up in a nice apartment and was giving her all this stuff, but, like, got really uncomfortable when their relationship grew outside of their little apartment and their little, like... Right. Because like he went to the ball at the end of the season and was just like. And he was not feeling it. But I mean, I as soon as he started to really get to know her, the more he got to know her, the more he realized, like, this right. ain't it. Yeah. I'm so glad that we're done with that storyline. I'm so happy. <laughs> like, yeah. Plus, I mean, we just, you don't need a lot of white people in the show. Just no offense to the white people listening or anything, but that's not the crux of the show. And I just felt right. like. Stan and that Stan and his wife and the boss, I can't even remember his name, James Vanderbeek, whoever the, whatever his name was, but they were just dragging the story down. And I feel like things are so much, the pacing is so much better and we're getting more focused on the people that we actually care about this season. See, like part of me, I wouldn't have hated so much if we hadn't have dealt with like James Vanderbeek's character and the wife. Like if it was just the guy played by Quicksilver or whatever his name is from... uh... (laughs) I know him as Quicksilver. He's also an American Horror Story. 
Um, like if it was just the two of them, then I probably wouldn't have hated it as much. But just all the extra with the wife and the boss. Right. And I'm like, we don't want to see these people. I don't, I don't, I don't care about his it. personal life. Let it go. So, yeah, I hope Angel and Little Poppy, because I, I feel like at the end of the episode, it was kind of left tossed up in the air. Which I'm fine with that. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I guess, like you said, they're going to spend the rest of the season trying to figure it out. And I'm like, Angel, you can have it all, girl. You can have the, you know, the modeling contract. You can have the relationship. Like, it's, it, I feel like it's her season. Like, she's winning in the ballroom. She's she winning is. in life. Like, I just, I'm loving it right she now. Is. Angel is on top of the world. Because, um, you know, she finally, she got a uh, a job, like a modeling, a legitimate modeling job this time around without a creepy photographer, thank God. Yes. Um, And that's why she ended up standing up poppy because you know the shoots go on for half the day and you know by the time everything was said and done it was past the time of her and poppy's date and you know this thing was very really important to her so i totally get why she set him up still a little sad but um the shoot turned out beautifully yes. and then at the end of the episode you see them going to like the drugstore and like her face is everywhere like in like the promotional material and on the packaging and all this other stuff and let me tell you the photoshop of the pictures were not that great to me but i guess i mean it's supposed to be the 90s yeah so i was like well right <laughs> i'll take it I'll, I'll just deal with it i was just so happy to see how happy all of them were for right. her she was like and how hey. happy she was she was like hey look everybody it's me and i'm like i if i were in those her shoes i would do the same thing exactly like i was oh, so excited hold- like, influencers do it now. Like, if they're in a campaign and they're, like, in the drugstores or, like, at Sephora and stuff like that, they go and they take pictures and, like, draw attention. Right. So, I, I totally get it. I definitely But I'm so scared for her, though. Like, it's so, this this show just gives me so much tug and pull because I'm always, like, thrilled when they take a step forward. But then I feel like something yeah. always happens Eventually that pulls them pull back up. two steps. And I'm like, oh. and I just, I guess I can kind of see where this might end up going. And I'm just so... I'm hoping that maybe she'll be the exception to the rule, yeah. but I'm just so afraid that if people, you know, find out she's trans, that they'll try to take all of this away from her. And she's, it's something she's been wanting her whole life and she's yeah. finally fulfilling the things that she really wants, you know? Exactly. And like, you know, you saw Blanca in the last episode, almost get her dream pulled out from up under her and you see, right. you know, Electra's world fall apart in the first episode when, you know, her sugar daddy or whatever, like, took everything um which uh what's that guy's name christopher maloney was amazing in this role in that role by the way Mm -hmm. he i actually liked i'm also glad that he's not on the show anymore yes i'm like just clean him out get get all of them out of there they kept nurse judy we like judy because judy Judy and pray tell have their little shade moments and stuff exactly she is just as shady as pray tell and that's why they get along so well um but yeah like everybody's been getting the the rug pulled out from up under them, and I just really don't want. I mean, the same thing happened to Angel. She got her whatever she was going through last season, you know, collapsed, and so now she's kind of starting over. And I just really want her to be able to hold on to this thing for a while. I really do. She, everybody on the cast deserves to be happy. Like every, all of the characters deserve to be happy. I just, I don't want Angel to lose this. She's too precious. She's like I said, she's one of my favorites. So I just kind of want to, you know wrap her in a, in a blanket of protection and nothing to ever happen to her. But you know, unfortunately, me that's too. not going to be the reality of the show. Me too. Me too. So you ready for the nostalgia recap? Uh, sure. Let's do that. All right. I'm going to go first today. Whoop, whoop. 
I'm changing, I'm changing up the dynamic of the flow, guys. I'm going first. So I only have a couple of quick things. Look at me being brief. First, Bobby Brown dropped Don't Be Cruel back in 1988, back in June 1988. And that album still goes. Yes, it does. Like, when you think about New Jack Swing, you think about Bobby Brown. Mm-hmm. He had so many hits up there and stuff. And I mean, just looking back at videos of him rapping and singing and how well he was dancing and stuff, like, I can, I can understand why Whitney had a thing for him. Oh, I can totally see it. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, he wasn't like, you know, the the sexiest guy in terms of like aesthetic appeal and everything like that. But I like the swag. Yeah, he had the swag. He had the voice, you know. I mean, he just had the confidence and everything. So I I love that album. I, I love Bobby Brown's story and everything. Um, so, yeah, Don't Be Cruel, 1988 in June. So I think that's awesome. Uh, in case you guys have not been following us on Twitter... I have curated a throwback summer playlist. Um, I will add the link to that in the show notes. But you guys go and check it out. I've got a bunch of different things up there. I've got some 80s, some 90s. I don't know if I have any 2000s up there. I think I do maybe have one or two songs. Um, I've got some reggae. I tried to go across a few different things. But basically, I just wanted to bring together a list of throwback summer jams that people could dance to that would uplift you, that'll make you feel good and that makes you want to go to the cookout go to the party or just like dance in your living room so i hope you guys enjoy that um if you have any suggestions of any songs you would like for me to add i am definitely open to that i'll probably be making it an active list that i'll be adding stuff to throughout the summer so just hit us up on social media and i'll be glad to add some of your suggestions to the list ever evolving playlist i like it yep yep uh the stranger things comes back next week on july the 4th I am currently in the process of screening it. She is super I, excited about this. I'm very excited about it. I, I can't say anything about it, but so far it seems to be going pretty good with, with with the screening and stuff. And I haven't gotten very far to really formulate a full opinion, but I'm just still excited about the series anyway. Um, I thought that the trailers that they released were really good. It's, it's so interesting now because the kids are coming into their teenagehood and... The Mind Flayer's back, and uh, I know if you guys have seen the I have trailer, no you know that any of these words mean. But okay, <laughs> <laughs> if you've seen the trailer, you know that things ain't looking so hot for Hawkins. Things ain't looking so hot for Billy. Um, I'm kind of interested to see what's going on with like the teenagers now because Nancy and Jonathan and Steve, all of them are out of high school now, so they're kind of living their young adult lives. So I'm kind of interested to see where they're going and. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, So I can't wait to finish screening that. I'll hopefully be done watching over the weekend. And then I might go back and maybe pick and choose and watch a couple of my favorite episodes when it drops on July the 4th. So check out Stranger Things if you're a fan. I think we're coming to an end, though. Uh, I know the Duffer Brothers before said that they were only going to do or they only had like a four to five season arc planned out. So we're already at season three. I really wish and I we feel would like, start doing that more often, having like a yeah. complete arc planned instead of just like... I love Grey's Anatomy, or at least I did, but, like, this show's been on entirely too long. And that thing ain't gonna never end. I just want them to stop having catastrophe after catastrophe every season. Because, like, for the first, like, 12 seasons, it was something else. There was a lion, there was a shooter in the hospital, there was the ferry boat accident, there was a plane crash, there was a fire in the hospital, there was just... A- like, every time, every season, there was something else. They used to do... Oh, Lord. Yeah, they used to air like the big catastrophe episode right after the Super Bowl. Like the mm-hmm. Super Bowl would happen and then whatever episode that season was the catastrophe 
they would play it right after. Um, and there's always, there was the bomb in somebody's chest. Uh, oh my god what? and Meredith is somehow always involved in it uh, like I said there's see I haven't watched Grey's Anatomy since maybe season 4 or 5 it's been so long I have no idea what's going on in that show anymore and then you but go back this and, is so wild and then you go back and look at it like watch the se- watch a couple of episodes from like the original season and you look and you're like dead 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 fired dead <laughs> mm, that's like watching The Walking Dead which is another crash. show that needs to kind of wrap it up here like I know that the comics are still going on and stuff, but it's like, come on, Walking Dead. The, the show ain't going to be able to go on for 10 years, 10, 12, however many years right. that the comic's been out. Like, yeah, it's about time to wrap that joint up. Yeah, it's already been on for nine years. Let's just go ahead and wrap it on up, B, and let's move on. So we yeah, but I love that they're doing that. Yeah, I mean, I think, too, the kids, you know, when they started a few years ago, they were pretty young. And now they're really, I mean, because they're playing, most of them are playing two to three years younger than what they really are. That's so, I mean, they're... Yeah, I mean, they're growing up. They're they're wanting to venture off and do different things. I know the boy that plays uh, Mike, which is kind of like the leader of the of the four boys or whatever. He does music and all of this oh, stuff. Really? And his band's actually, yeah, his band's actually pretty good. And so a couple of them have like started different things. Like Millie uh, Bobby Brown, who plays Eleven, was in the Godzilla movie recently. She's and then I think really she's, good in it. yeah. And so she's I think, you know, good. they're trying to grow up and do some other things. Like this was their first kind of big major thing. Um, so I think they're, you know, wanting to go off and do different stuff. So yeah, I would be okay with it ending at the end of season four. Plus I feel like you can only kind of recycle this, you know, entity coming back and kind of haunting this town so many times, you know, right. eventually it, it's got to be defeated and right. it's just got to be over and done, yeah. you know? So yeah, Stranger Things, check that out next week. And then my final thing, which I'm actually surprisingly excited about i am not a reality tv show fan I don't think um that's no shade to if you love reality tv do you but it's just not my favorite genre of show but i'm not actually anymore. excited about this yeah like real world road rules back in the day i was into all of that yeah, but yeah now i'm good but there's a reality show coming out um that little kim is producing and starring in and it's her maya chili uh b simone and pretty v and both of them are comedians that are on wild and out i don't know a lot about pretty v v v excuse me but i do know about b simone um and so they're all going to be on this epic girls trip together basically they've got this big yacht they're going across the caribbean like they go to carnival they do a whole bunch of different things they hook up they have fun and they are just like enjoying their lives and i'm like you know what i'm really here for that oh yeah like, it comes out on July the 15th. I'm not sure about the time and stuff. And they really haven't given a whole lot of sneak peeks into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind I think there was kind of a little bit of hint that they were maybe doing something together. Maya had posted some stuff from uh, Trinidad Carnival. And okay. you can see, like, Chili in the background and stuff. So I was like, huh, I didn't know that they were friends. I could see why her and Kim would be friends because mm-hmm. they did, you know, Lady Marmalade together. So, yeah, but I, I'm really into I'm it. Like, I, I don't know. I, and it's funny because, like, you know, Every season of Basketball Wives or, like, Love and Hip Hop or anything like that, it's always the people that you don't really care about that much. Right. And, like, these are some interesting people who you haven't really gotten a chance to see, like, kind of their private life. Right. So it's going to be fun to watch, like, this particular group of people interact with each other. So I, will be I like Little Kim. She I seems like a sweet person. She seems right. like a loyal and good friend. 
Like, and so I don't feel like they're going to have a bunch of, and I'm not saying they may not ever disagree on anything or something, but I, I highly doubt with either of them that they would be the type to be on TV fighting. Right. Or like acting a pure fool towards each other. Cause Maya is very, you know, she's like, on, she's like, you know, vegan and all chill and all about, you know, all about peace and harmony and all this stuff like mm-hmm. that. And Chili seems to be really low key too, but I can see all of them getting together and what better concept. Like this is the kind of reality TV content that needs to be out there. Just a bunch of girlfriends getting together, exactly. renting out a yacht and just having a good time and enjoying each other's company. Like I'm, I'm down for it. I cannot so wait. I, yeah, I'm definitely going to be watching that. I love Maya too. Like I'm a super, super huge Maya fan. Yep. She's got yep. she's had some really great projects come up in the last few years. I've listened a lot because of you, but I'm just like, oh wait, she is still killing it. <laughs> still making music, still traveling around, and the thing about it is, is that she owns the production company, Planet Nine. Even better. And she did that because um, I actually got a chance to interview her a few years ago, and she did that because Prince suggested that to her. He was like, you know, you can always be with a label and stuff, and that's fine, but aren't you tired of going through the politics with that? You're smart. You can do this on your own, and then you're pocketing more of that dollar. Exactly. Not saying don't collaborate, but like own right. your own stuff. It is very important. Take it from people who know. Own your ish. Yes, yes, yes. So that's it for my recaps. All right, take then as we move. All right. So um, the BET Awards for this weekend. Uh, I heard they were not a flaming catastrophe like they normally have been. I didn't watch all of it. They were not. Because I don't, like, know most of those people. I feel like I'm getting old and I don't know anybody. It's like, <laughs> hot. like, I know my faves from, like, the early 2000s and the 90s, and I'm just like, what are they doing? And I don't really care about anybody else. I know that's terrible. Just let me live. Anyways, but Mary J. Blige got the Lifetime Achievement Award, which, pastime. Yes, I feel like it's weird because we're in that season of like the artists that we grew up on getting Lifetime Achievement Awards versus like the people that our parents listened to getting Lifetime Achievement Awards. Right. Um, So, you know, they did a performance of some of Mary's hits. And then, of course, she was actually given the physical award um, by Rihanna was what I heard. I didn't see that. Yes. Oh, Which that was lovely. They got like you could tell Rihanna is actually such a such a fan. Oh, and I love that. I love her, when people stand for each other. Her Instagram was hilarious that night because she was back in the back singing the Mary J. Blige songs at the top of her lungs, like she was at the concert, and it was like her and three other people in the room. And I love it when the people that I love love each other. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. I also love it when black women love each other. That's also amazing. Yep. Um. So anyways, the performance was dope. Uh, the best part is Mary J. Blige got out there herself. She was like, hey, can't nobody do me. Um, and she did the hits. And then she bought out Method Man and Little Kim to do their who song. Who looked great. Who all looked great. Yes. Also, I would I like, was to, like okay, Kim, to stick I see you. a teeny tiny pin right here. I need y'all to stop. So Twitter does this thing where they discover a, a thing that they've discovered before every six months, right? It's like clockwork. Right. Every six months, they find out that Billy Caldwell is white. And I'm just like, how did y'all not know this already? I need y'all to stop discovering every six months that Method Man is still fine. <laughs> and has been right. fine. We know that. Forever. <laughs> every six months, without fail, somebody sees Method Man somewhere. And they're like, 
I didn't know he was that hot. What? He has a whole Instagram page. Just all the pictures there, guys. He's he's hot. He's been hot. He's still going to be hot. I mean, it's Method Man. He looks the exact same. And that's the other thing. Like, he still looks exactly like Method Man looked 20 years ago. Um, I really hope his friend Redman had a house with a working doorbell. That's an inside joke for people who used to watch Cribs. <laughs> but anyways, Method Man looked great. Uh, Mary J looked phenomenal. Oh, my God. Yes, she did. Getting rid <laughs> of a terrible human attached to you. Like... Will make you glow up so much. So much. <laughs> and I just, I'm wondering, where are the thigh-high boots, Mary? Like, I need you to come out with a whole thigh-high boot line. Thank because you. I want a pair. Thank Please you. Please do this right now, because she be killing the boot game. Just, like, she could come out with her own line, and I would be the first person there ready to buy some. Exactly. Just give me the boots. The commercial just needs to be you doing the Go Mary dance. Yeah, so video. I can do that dance. Like, I see myself doing and that dance it. in those boots, Mary. Come on. Little Kim looked phenomenal in her red, yes, I think, Gucci suit or something like that. I loved it. First of I all, love her. I love her. I just song. want her to win. I love Kim. Yes. I love I Can Love You. Love that song. Like, it's in my, you know how everybody has like, excuse me, a rotation of songs that they sing at karaoke? That's mm-hmm. one of mine. Like, that's in my top five. I love that song so much. Um, so to see they perform that was amazing. It was just, it was great. Uh, Mary J deserves, been deserved. Missy Elliott need to be up next. Right. Um, she just got inducted. I didn't put this on my recap. She just got inducted into like the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Yes, I'm so glad. And, just give give them all their things. And Lizzo did a performance of one of her songs. And I saw a little bit of that. Uh, I was like, yes, yes to all of this. And Queen Latifah gave her the award, I think, which is just like, plus size black women standing for each I other. Know, I right. am here for all of the things. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was great. Um, I will put videos in the show notes because you have to. I just love it when black women are standing for each other. It's beautiful. Me too. Um, so that was my first thing. Um, shout out to Mary J. Blige, um, singing, making us sing songs that we couldn't relate to. Like we couldn't relate to them when we were kids. Second thing that I've got is a video creeped down my timeline this week. Um, if there's, if anybody knows me, y'all know that there's one thing that I love, and that's men that can sing. Oh yeah. If you can sing, like when I saw that video, I was like, I and I knew it was going to make its way to you just because I know that we follow the same types of people, right? And I was like, when Christina sees this, this is going to be her thing. I just really love men who can sing. And for some odd reason, I've kind of been on a Jamie Foxx kick the last few weeks. I don't know why. I started watching the Blame It video like a couple times a day, every day. It's really weird because there are so many people in that video and you're just like, why are you in this music video? Jake Gyllenhaal is in that video. Ron Howard Mm -hmm. is in that music video. You've got uh, Forrest Whitaker in the video. Samuel L. Jackson is actually not out of place in the video. He's just kind of sitting there smoking a cigar the entire time. Cedric the Entertainer is in the video uh, for Blame It. And you're just like, why are all of these like Oscar-winning actors and directors in a music video? In a <laughs> hip-hop no music video. <laughs> they just all kind of pull up in the car and they all look like they're ready to club and like have a great time and get it in. And I'm just like... What was that phone call like? 
Jamie Foxx, come I on the show. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Come on the show, because I would like to discuss how you got Jake Gyllenhaal and Ron Howard and Forrest Whitaker to be in a music video. Like, what was that phone call like? Hey, Ron Howard, I know you're busy directing your next Oscar winning film, <laughs> but I need you to come be in a music video for my new single, Blame It on the Alcohol. <laughs> you said, hey, Ron Howard. <laughs> like, hey, Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> I know you're busy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Oh man, help me. supposed to be talking about <laughs> i'm trying so um there's a video that slipped down the timeline uh i'm assuming it's a tank concert because he's the one that's got music out and still touring that i know of and jamie fox is just busy being on tv so they're at a concert and jamie fox is on stage with tank and they kind of have a falsetto competition a little bit Ooh. And I about died because Jamie Foxx is one of the greatest R&B singers ever. Tank is also one of the greatest R&B singers ever. And you put the two of them on a track together or just on the stage together singing and going just back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. I about died. Well, like, I don't even know if they were singing the song or just doing random runs. I don't really care. But I think the two of them should do a project together or Jamie Foxx needs to do another project because I really want some new Jamie Foxx music. And let's just go from there. It's a great video. I promise you, like, top tier singers, top tier singers. Like, it was an amazing thing to watch. And I don't even think it was that long. I think it was like a minute and a half or something like that. Um, But oh my God, like, the two of them together just... Did my heart so well. I love Linda Vincent. I just love it. Um, so yeah, that was great. My last thing. Uh, I forgot. Uh, I forgot. I forgot. Where to go? Oh, so JoJo's debut album. I don't know if you know who JoJo is. People that are I listening. Love JoJo. But if you don't Ooh. know who JoJo is, she uh, came out when she was like 14 or 15 or something like that um, with a song that everybody loves. Like, I know everybody that I was in middle high school with we're singing this song at the top of their lawns leave get out um, yes and so it's been 15 years since her debut project came out um which she was on the same label that Aaliyah was yeah and black round we all know uh, how Aaliyah's family is trifling well her uncle her is uncle. trifling yeah and he just refuses to put any of her music back in stores or on like streaming services so people can still listen to it I mean it would make them some more money so be smart thing to do, but whatever. Um, he also won't release JoJo's music either. Um, and she had been 
going through a situation with that label trying to get out of her contract for a very, very long time um, so she could do music. Um, she finally got out of it and everything's good. She's got her own production company. Um, and the great thing um, about that is she can do whatever she wants now because she's not under contract. And she came out with a great album a couple years ago. And earlier this year, I don't know if you know this, time, she did something that I thought was real petty but also really genius. Mm-hmm. Which is she re-recorded her first album and her second album and her first two yes. singles and yes, re-released them <laughs> and was just like, well, if you won't release the original, let me just record all of these songs over again because there's nothing that you can do about that. You can't like when people. The thing about Aaliyah and JoJo's first two albums is the person that is not releasing them owns the masters to them, which is like the original recording, like the physical recording of right that like those songs that he will not release there's nothing that says that she can't re-record those songs over again and release them and release like them. it's basically just doing the cover of her own music which you know cover songs I loved thing it. That people can do it was yeah, and it's so, yeah, I was gonna say i love it so much and you know it's so sad that you know i mean because Aaliyah's not here anymore right to be able to do anything like that you know i i, I just don't understand i what's going on with with him and the whole black round thing. It's just, it's so bizarre to me. It, exactly. Because like you said, it's like, dude, why would you not? And I don't know if it's something he's kind of doing in conjunction with with someone else or like, I mean, at first I thought it was just until all this JoJo stuff came out. At first I thought maybe it was just like a beef between like him and Aaliyah's parents. But apparently right. he's just like a jerk to everybody. Right. Um, and like, they're not doing you any good just sitting somewhere. Like, it's just you being petty. If you put them out, then you make money off of them. Right. And, like, if you're that petty, then just go ahead and make all the money and, like, let us be happy. But that's neither here nor there. Like I said, JoJo, we recorded everything. And, of course, you know, it's been 15 years since her debut album came out. And I don't know if you've heard any of her recent stuff, but the girl still sounds phenomenal. She sounds even better now because, obviously, it's been 15 years. She's learned a lot. She's grown so much as a singer-songwriter. She, you know, just recently, not like this year, but a couple of years ago, she lost her father and she came out with like a little uh, project for him. Um, well, like a song and all the songs are phenomenal. Um, she came out with an album a couple of years ago. I saw her in concert and that concert was great. Um, she looks great. She sounds great. Um, you can definitely go on Spotify, her title and stuff like that. To find all the stuff that she re-recorded. Um, so leave, get out and had a touch a girl how to love a girl can't remember how to angela's gonna i think it's how to love a girl i think it's how to love a girl um look all the hits that you remember from jojo back in like middle school high school she's re-recorded all of it and they all sound phenomenal Um, you should definitely check out demonstrate which is one of my favorite songs from her you should check out her marvin's room remix when everybody and their mama was doing a marvin's room remix yeah the only marvin's room remix that matters is jojo's just forget everybody else's jojo's is the only one that matters um and yeah, like, it's great that she found that loophole because, I mean, it's perfect. It's genius. So go check right. out the re-release of her, you know, debut album. Um, is there? Uh, that's all I got. Awesome. So we're here at our topic for today. Why we love certain 80 sitcoms and general TV shows and theme songs. I think that 
a part of it has to do with like you have the live studio audiences and everything. Um, and to me, some of the best theme songs came from a lot of 80s stuff. Yes. Especially, especially like the one, the number one. And I tell people this all the time that I was actually doing some freelance work for a website one time and they were wanting to update some of their lists. Mm -hmm. And one of the lists they had was talking about theme songs from different, you know, I think they span back for like the 60s through like today. Mm -hmm. And they did not have the Golden Girls up there. I, (laughs) excuse me. Whoever wrote it, the original one just needs to be fired. Right. I was like, who, who is this person? Like, who are you to have a theme song list? And not have the Golden Girls theme song. Everybody knows that song. My grandmama knows that song. Right. We know that song. My kids know the Golden the Golden Girls theme song, and they don't even really fully got it. They don't even fully have a grasp on the show and what it's about, but they know that theme song. Exactly. Like, like everybody knows that. Do you remember the video of the guy singing it? Yes. It came out. <laughs> it's like my favorite video ever in the history of the world. Um, it is, I don't know his name, unfortunately, but I will find the video and put it in the show notes. But he does like a gospel version of the Golden Girls theme song. Like you would think that he was channeling like Patti LaBelle or Aretha Franklin. And he went He off. was singing too, he but I'm like, oh my God. And every, it, <laughs> I think that the he did. I was like, this is so black. Cause yeah. you know, we just be making the song real extra for no reason. Just real extra for no reason, but it worked. I also think that he slid in the song, started from the bottom. I mean, slid in the line, started from the bottom. Now we're here somewhere. Yes, he did. He did. Yes. It was great. You guys have to watch it. It is. It's so good. Best theme song ever. Like, that's the best theme song ever. For me, when I think about, like, 80s TV shows, I think that Golden Girls is probably at the top of, it's probably at the top of my list. Like, my number one favorite 80s sitcom. I think so. Or show, period. Like, across any, really any genre. Like, I was really thinking about, like, what were my favorite sitcoms, and the first thing you think about is the Golden Girls. Yeah. Everything else pales in comparison. Well, I mean, I think they were just, to me, back then, the concept was so, I wouldn't necessarily say novel, because I can't, you know, I can't say that I know about every TV show that ever came out up until that point, mm-hmm. but how many shows, even since then, have you had where you had four you know, older ladies mm-hmm. living together as single women, talking about sex, talking about, you know, love, talking about life, mm-hmm. doing things together. And just, you never, you didn't really see that. Like they talked about HIV and AIDS and things like that on the Golden Girls that were considered to be taboo topics back then. Exactly. Like it, they would, they had no restraint when it came to what was going on in their lives. And they were living really full lot. Like, when you think of like your grandparents, you don't think about them. All you don't always think about the fact that like they have their own life and you know are out here dating right. and you know dealing with stupid people all the time or like you know things that we go through as adults. Even right, adults for like ten, fifteen years, but like you don't think about the things that they go through in their like sixties and seventies and. You know, when they've already raised and, you know, all their kids are old enough and adults and their kids are in their, like, 40s and stuff like that already. Like, you don't think about what that everyday life looks like. So this was, like, a really good glimpse into that. Um, which right. Girls- And you also don't think about, like, everything that led up to that. Exactly. So, I mean, it's hard for you to think about the things that they went through in their 20s, 30s, 40s, like, when they were right. our age, the things that they were going through now. That's something I really don't get a chance to, I really don't wrap my mind around enough. Like, my grandmother is uh, 
in her early 80s. And so I don't really think that much about, you know, wow, what was she like when she was 32, 33? Exactly. Like, it makes me want to go and have conversations with my grandmother about her right. when she's younger. And I think older women, too, they get kind of caught in this box where either they're like the sweet, you know, cookie baking old lady or they're like cantankerous and mean to everybody and stuff. But they got to be, you know, witty and they got to be vulnerable and they got to, you know, be sexy and all this stuff like that, which I mean, women characters, period, don't really get enough of that once they get past a certain age. Like, I mean, then once they get past a certain age, they're portrayed as, you know, just straight up somebody's mama, somebody's grandma so many times. Instead of like people that have identities outside of the who they're related to other people yeah um which golden girls character are you huh i don't know which one do you think i am uh, see i think i'm dorothy i can see that yes i think i'm dorothy She's the very like logical one that's just like all you people are idiots. Yeah. And, a lot of, and a lot of like my friends circles and stuff like that. And with some of my friends, I tend to be the one that kind of like anchors things. And I feel like Dorothy's kind of like that anchor between everybody. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I know I'm not, I know I'm not Blanche cause Blanche out here doing a lot, which is fine. I mean, do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know I'm not Sophia because I'm just not that much of like a, I mean, she's just always like dragging people and I don't be dragging folks like she's that. A bit of a <laughs> yeah so i know i'm not her and then rose is just like she's in space so we love rose i do i love rose or whatever but i'm like rose don't have no common sense and i do have common sense so i think i have to be dorothy i am probably and maybe this is just how i view myself in my head but i'm probably closer to a blanche like a blanche dorothy hybrid a little bit but like further towards the direction of blanche i think you're further towards the direction of blanche yeah I'm, I'm, but it's just I'm like she just is doing what she wants to do she has no she has no filter she's living life and stuff but at the end of the day even though you know even though she's very much into doing the things that she wants and living life on her own terms she's still there for other people absolutely because i remember one of my favorite episodes there's an episode i think it's probably later in one of the seasons of golden girls where um something about like the city council basically misclassifying like her misclassifying her house as like a bed and breakfast or some craziness like that she was about to lose her house because she had too many tenants um for like where she was living and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. so like she was really like dorothy and uh rose and sophia were possibly going to have to move out um and blanche got really scared about that and the only the greatest solution for the situation is to make them partial owners of the house so it's they all own the house versus like blanche owning the house and then running from her um she didn't want to do that at first but you know she Mm -hmm. eventually capitulated because like after a while they've been living together so long they're practically their own family they are their own family they are a family um and i think she realized that like this is your family these are the people that you depend on day to day like again they're all old and they all have older and they all have grown children that have their own lives and can't necessarily be there for them all day every day and so they stuck to each other and that's what she did she signed over partial rights to the house and so they all became like partial owners of the house and they stayed together and it was one of my favorite episodes um Blanche is just always there like she she will sit there and she will clown you in the process 
yes. being there for you. But she's still going to do it. She's going to be like, I can't stand you while she's signing the papers. Yes. I mean, and so many of the like the funniest things always end up with something surrounding Blanche. <laughs> like mm-hmm. some funny stuff happens surrounding Rose too, but Blanche is usually the one that kicks off crazy stuff. Like the yeah, one yeah. episode that I, I, I mean, I just watched this like a couple of days ago and I was here hollering the whole time. <laughs> It was the one where they were trying to like save this tree and it was on this lady's property Mm -hmm. and Blanche told the lady to drop dead. And she like pretty much immediately literally dropped dead from like, I don't know if she had like a heart attack or what happened, but they found out the lady didn't have any family or friends. So they had a funeral for her and (laughs) that whole funeral scene. And you could tell the audience is like dying. And I am just, every time I watch that, I crack up so much because they're trying to scramble together to say nice (laughs) to say nice things about this lady that was a jerk to them for the entire five minutes that they knew her. And I love that episode so much. It's it's so good. It's probably one of my favorites. I like that one. I like the one where Dorothy Rose and Blanche were like competing against each other to be volunteer of the year. Uh And all of them ended up sick and they were like on the couch in their robes and they were just, they spent the whole episode just being shady to each other. Yes. And just dragging each other on the couch or whatever. I mean, even Rose was. Exactly. Rose was like, she was in rare form in that episode because she was dragging. <laughs> she was dragging everybody too. Uh, I love the episode where um, they, the entire school class gets sick. And so they have to do the school play. And they're <laughs> doing basically the sky is falling. And they're yes. dressed up like birds. Basically like <laughs> one's Penny Penny and one's Lucy Goosey. And I can't remember what the other one is. Turkey Lurkey. Uh, so oh my god! I almost forgot about together. that. Um, and so they're all in like heels and like tights and a bird costume. In a bird costume. Uh, <laughs> just, I'm just like, how did y'all? That and the dance competition where they it was like a one of those things where you have to be on the dance floor the longest, basically. Um, oh yeah, that was like crazy. a dance, like a basically like a dance off. Right and. Everybody's dancing and they're getting, you know, they're old ladies, so they're hurting in places and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, like, Rose busts out with, like, the craziest dance combo. She's, like, ever. Doing a lot. Doing the absolute most, which, let's be real, we all know that it's, like, they cut it to where, like, it makes you think that it's, uh, what's her name? Betty White? Thank you. Um, made you think it was Betty White dancing? You know it's not Betty White dancing. Um, but they cut it really well to make you think that it was Betty White dancing. Um, so that's, and then all of a sudden, like, once she's done dancing, it's kind of like Dark Skin A Viv after she, you know, shows all those girls up and she just kind of walks Yeah, so she's collapses. like, got it. I do. I like that one, too. I remember that one. And, uh, let's see. The other one that I really like is when they were going to the movies. And I think they were going to see, like, a... Burt Reynolds movie or something like that. I can't remember which one it was. But either way, they got arrested for being prostitutes. And they spent... And I mean, again, like, it's this whole, like, a good chunk of the episode takes place with them behind bars, like, trying to convince the guards to let them out. And I mean, it just... I don't know how much of that was written and how much was improvised. I feel like they probably did a fair amount of improv on the show because all of them, if I'm not mistaken, were pretty well-seasoned actresses even by this time. Right. Been, so I feel like they were, yeah, especially Betty White. Yeah, she yeah. had been around for for a really long time by then. So I feel like a lot of it was improv and stuff too, but they were just, I mean, every joke that they tell is funny. It's just sharp, it's witty. And I mean, I don't know if I can even really think of, off the top of my head of a bad episode of that show. 
I don't think it, the, it does not exist. I, I mean, I kind of, the way that it ended with, you know, Dorothy kind of like quick marrying somebody and moving out and stuff, I really wasn't a fan of that. Right. But, I mean, that last scene of them like just hugging each other so tight and showing each other love, I love it so much. Like, I'm willing to forgive that, you know, that 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 plot point to, to end things yeah. because I love that moment between them so much. I literally just saw, I didn't know, we're going back to a few episodes ago, maybe last season, where I discovered that, like, the Arthur was a Marine. Like, one of the first female Marines. But she also, I mean, you were just talking about how, like, they all have had these extensive careers even before the Golden Girls, which whoever casted this show, like, needs all the awards if they haven't gotten them already. Um, So she used to, like, she dances and sings, too, like, for real, and... My mom is always watching old movies at the house, and half the time I don't know what the movies are, and most of the time I don't care. But I happened to look up one day, and it was B. Arthur and Lucille Ball in a movie together, dancing and singing, and was like, wait, what? (laughs) And my mom was telling me that it was like Lucille Ball, like one of Lucille Ball's last movies. I'm going to find the name of it so everybody can know it. Um, But it was just, it was so weird to see her, like... B. Arthur might have to be another to see them two together. Yes, B. Yeah. B. Arthur might have to be another patron saint in the pod because you go from finding out she was one of like the first female Marines to doing movies with Lucille Ball to the greatest show ever. Well, one of the greatest shows ever, The Golden Girls, to doing the Urkel on stage with Steve Urkel, and you're just like, right? Like she has just done it all. <laughs> they need to do a. I would love to see a, some type of documentary or um, biography or something like that, biographical picture of her life. I would too. I'd be down for it. I don't know who would play her. Mm, I have to think about that. But I'd love to see that. Because mm. she's just done so much. And I mean, yeah. I think, again, that is really a reflection of the show, like you were saying earlier, how you realize they've had these whole full lives outside of the typical box that you would want to put people in. And so when most people think of them, they think Golden Girls. But you, you, know, you think about the women that actually play these women on TV. They all did amazing and really cool things outside of that show. That show was just a, a, a snippet of the things that they accomplished and did in their lifetime. And you look at Betty White. She's still out here. Like, she's almost 100 years old. Literally. Uh, Betty White is older than sliced bread. And Yeah. When I, say I mean, she's still, but she's she, still out here kicking and having a great time. She is literally older than the invention of sliced bread. Like, that's how long she's been around. Like... <laughs> She's been around for a very, very, very long time. And it's still kicking. And doesn't look like she has shown any sign of stopping whatsoever. Because she's still in, like, TV shows and movies and stuff. Playing people's yep. grandmamas and great-grandmamas. And I'm just like, you know what? You keep going. Because she's the last of the Mohicans, unfortunately. Um, I know. Which makes me very, very sad. Because um, I would love, especially now with, like, in the last, I guess, 10 or so years, the resurgence of the popularity of the Golden Girls. Like, I would have loved to have seen, like the four of them together and like, right and i like to know how they would feel panels. about that like to know that people still love this show so many years later right like people that weren't even alive when the show debuted love this show like it was friends um it's that big of a deal um, we could do an entire show on the golden girls and we probably will um, yes so you guys um if you want to try to catch up on the Golden Girls, you hadn't seen it in a while maybe it's something that you've never seen before because again i, I try to always keep in mind that we don't have all American people listening to us. Um, it is on Hulu. Now, I don't know, you know, about different countries, Hulu, what they have available or not, but I know it's available to us, at least here in the States on Hulu. So you might want to check there first. Exactly. 
somewhere. Yep. Go buy the DVDs too. Make sure they exist. absolutely. So I mean, I outside of that, I spent a lot of time watching TV with my grandma. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom's mom, and I always call her my OG nerd because she kind of brought me into a, a few of my first fandoms. Like, she really watched a lot of Star Trek and all of that stuff mm-hmm. or whatever. And so a lot of what I saw on her TV was 80s TV shows, like Night Court. Um, she used to watch Cheers. Mm-hmm. Designing Women I was like, like, I felt like Night Court and Cheers were kind of like in the background, but yeah. Designing Women was like, that was my grandma's show it was always on and it was one that i remember her actually focusing in on actually watching and laughing and really enjoying and because of that by extension i ended up loving that show too i love signing women i wish it was still on tv because i don't really see it on tv a whole bunch i could be wrong about that um i haven't seen it in in years but i and it's like one of those things where i don't remember much about the show but like i remember the concept and like who the characters were and how fabulous they were Uh, but because it's not in the forefront kind of like golden girls is now like i don't remember a whole lot of the episodes i do remember this one episode and i i found it on youtube and i'll link that in the show notes later as well but there's this one episode where one of the sisters either is in a pageant or like was the pageant winner the year before and they were doing like some type of beauty pageant and one of the sister another one of the sisters caught one of the current pageant contestants just talking straight trash about her sister and she went oh, off. Okay. So she she confronts the girl and it's like they're like in a dressing room and stuff like that. And there's like mirrors and desks and stuff like that all over the place. And she just went to town on this girl and was like, let me tell you about my sister since you clearly don't know who she is. And ran off all the stats about how, you know, she had this baton that she was twirling and it was on fire and it was dope. And she was the only person to win like every single category except for Miss Congeniality and all these other things and like she had gotten to the point like it's one of those things where like as she is doing this rant about her sister and how awesome her sister is she's inching the girl she's talking to closer and closer and closer to the desk <laughs> and she ended she was putting that pressure on she her she was and she was like and finally that was the night that the lights went out in georgia and it's the only like piece of the show that i remember and i'm just like i remember that read and it was one of the greatest things I have ever seen in my life because you could just feel like you were not going to talk. You didn't realize that you were talking junk about my sister and you didn't realize you were talking junk about my sister in the face. But let me tell you all the ways that you have screwed up right, right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I do. I, I I really enjoy. I remember really enjoying and watching that one. It's something I would love to see. I, I don't know if it's on any streaming service or anything like that, but that's something that. I think would if you did a reboot or a revival that might actually work pretty well. It would actually. Like some I mean, you would mix it up now. I think you could definitely put in some more diversity and everything yes. like that. But that that show, I feel like that's one that you could bring back and update it for today's time and that would actually work really well with today's audience. It would. It would. Like the, the girls on that show were just amazing like they were great again kind of like with the golden girls where they had great careers before that and it was just kind of magic putting all of them together on one show um i would definitely love to see it back on tv or maybe a reboot of it like i I will allow you to make a reboot of signing women don't touch the golden girls don't ever do it yeah let's leave that one alone but we'll we'll allow the design designing women that that's cool so what else um with my grandma i used to also watch uh dukes of hazard Love Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. That still comes on TV sometimes now, and when it comes on, I definitely be watching. <laughs> definitely be watching it. 
uh, Matlock used to be on a lot. But then I also used to go back too and watch stuff on my own, um, especially when they were showing like reruns and stuff like that and showing things in syndication. Mm -hmm. So like I love Growing Pains. Um, I was, I don't know why, but I really liked Tony Danza when I I was a kid. So Who's the Boss? I love Who's the Boss Mm -hmm. and I love Taxi as well. I loved Um, Taxi so much when I was younger. And I feel like that's a show that a lot of people don't really think about like that. Like, I mean... I don't know. It's not like people forget it, it exists, but I think it just kind of gets buried under more popular yeah. shows. I just, I loved that show. One, I loved Tommy Danza, which anytime I am singing at work, I typically, Rockin' Man is still out, so every time I hear it, I start singing Elton John songs in my head, and every time I start singing Tiny Dancer, I don't sing Tiny Dancer, I sing Tony Danza. Because <laughs> it's funny. And that's what the name of the song is Tony Danza. It's not Tony Danza. Anyways, um, so love Tony Danza on the show. And he's still like really silly and ridiculous and like super charming now. Um, but like it also had, God, what's the guy's name? Oh, Jeff Conway from uh, what most people know him from is Grease. Um, he played Nikki. Yeah, yeah. He was on that show too. Yeah, and he was Bobby. I loved me some some him when I was growing up because I like Kaneki was my favorite character in Greece and so mm-hmm. him being in taxi was like oh it's Kaneki sweet and Tony Danza awesome this is my show um, right and Danny DeVito oh yeah also love Danny DeVito Danny DeVito was one of those people where like you hear stories about him he's like a less popular Keanu Reeves in the sense of like you hear stories about him and every single person talks about how incredibly nice he is like, they do. Like, you don't hear anybody nice. say anything bad about Danny DeVito. Not ever. Like, every person that tells a story about, oh, I randomly met Danny DeVito here, or I met Danny DeVito here, is like, he's the nicest person you've ever met in your entire life. And he gives, he's one of those people, I've heard multiple stories of him, like, giving his time and giving insane, well, not really insane amounts of money, but giving significant amounts of money to causes, but like, mm-hmm. nobody knowing that he did it type situation. Um... So yeah, I love Mason Danny DeVito. I stand forever. Um, I love Taxi. I, that's another show I wish was still on. Um, for it. Me like too. I like that one. Did you watch uh, Facts of Life? I did not, no. I don't know why. I remember I remember watching that from, you know, I didn't watch it a whole lot, but I remember watching it from, from time to time or whatever, because that was like, that was like Kim Fields' first, like, major role, right? Because she was very young mm-hmm. in that show. Absolutely. Like, yeah, so I feel like that was her first major role. I remember watching that. Um, I love Jim and the Holograms. Like, there isn't a whole really lot of... Either. Yeah, I mean, with, with 80s cartoons, like, I mean, I definitely watch, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I like Jim and the Holograms. Um, I love the Thundercats, or whatever. Um, I like Voltron when it was on back then. So I think a lot of what I was watching still, if it's, you know, 80s based, was a lot of cartoons, or either it was, like, shows that were supposed to be for old people. <laughs> There was no in-between, like, besides growing pains and stuff like that. Um, I loved 227. Well, who didn't? I mean, because you can't, you look back now and it's like, dude, like, this was, it's so crazy to think that this is where Regina King got her start at. And she's been in the game longer than we've been alive. Like, that's that's so wild to me. She looks amazing. And now she's finally getting all this glory and praise and stuff that she deserves all these years later. Oh, my God. Regina King, we're putting her in the Patriot Saints of the Pod thing, too, because she, I love her. <laughs> She's come, so it's it's really great to see somebody's career progress 
in that way. To, from being like a side character on 227, or like a main character on 227, a show back in the 80s, to now winning Oscars and Golden Globes. And right. Speaking awards. Like, it's so beautiful. That's so amazing. Like, she was great. Marla Gibbs was great as Mary. Mm-hmm. Jack A. Harry, you know, whom I said in a couple of episodes ago, I got a chance to interview her, and she is everything you would think she would be like none of none of her personality is any kind of front or anything like that she is so genuine and sweet and supportive of literally everyone in the world i am never gonna stop laughing at her telling the story about eartha kit slapping her <laughs> never she is a trip like she i is. love it so much but i love her as as, as uh sandra though yeah she say mary Mary <laughs> especially that episode where she went on the family feud and all her answers were about either finding a fine man a rich man or a rich and fine right and he, I mean he was asking like these arbitrary way off the wall questions she was like ooh a rich man a fine man a fine and rich man I'm like Tyron Blanche stop it along swimmingly. oh my god I never even thought about that we should do that one episode where we pair random people together that's genius ah that might come to you guys soon look at that coming up with ideas in the middle so yeah i love 227 now i'm gonna ask you this okay so you know regina king played brenda Mm -hmm. do you remember her friend tiffany no like she was supposed to be brenda's best friend and she literally left like maybe season two season three and nobody never came back she had she didn't she didn't do a full Judy Winslow, but she definitely was like she was mentioned a couple of times, but you never saw her again, and nobody explained why she left, and I don't really understand why she couldn't have stayed. Like I could have seen her and Brenda getting into a bunch of teenage mess together, mm-hmm. you know. Yikes! And like when I went back and thought about it, I was like, you know what? That's just so bizarre. And I actually went and you know and Googled and stuff and to find the actress and she's been in some small roles and stuff here and there mm-hmm. here and there since then but yeah she just and there, there was no really indication of why she was written off the show or what happened or if it was like a behind the scenes thing i know they said that there was like some allegedly um some beef between jack a and marla gibbs over like pay and you know who was the real star and all of right. that stuff like that allegedly but and i keep saying allegedly because yeah we don't want to get sued but right. you know who knows what was going on there but either way 227 is like one of those classic black shows and i mean again you're getting women getting a chance to be funny and to make like real life observations about stuff because they just kept it real 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 on that show so i love it um love that show my one of my favorite shows and i don't know if you necessarily consider this a sitcom but i'm always laughing hysterically at it two shows actually one Mm -hmm. is mash which started technically in the 70s, but it ended in the 80s. Mash is definitely not a sitcom, but, I mean... It's hilarious, though. (laughs) Like, it's definitely, like, real and dramatic and stuff like that, but those characters were ridiculous. You had the one dude who was trying to cross-dress his way out of the military. Oh, my God. And again, you look at stuff like that, and you're like, oh, you could tell this was the 70s and the 80s, because I'm like, that... (laughs) That would not fly now. At all. <laughs> like, first of all, they don't really care. Well, they do. But but you're it, not getting away with that on TV. It wasn't an excuse then, and it's definitely not an excuse now. Of you trying to pretend to be a woman to have a That was ridiculous. You had Alan Alda's character, who was always cracking jokes and being snippy when he's like, you know. Hawkeye. Like, 
ankle deep in somebody's chest. <laughs> right. I'm like, you were in the middle of surgery, sir. Like, now is not the time to act up. Just a little bit. Just, just a scouch. Were you like, tone it down? <laughs> no, not, not at all. Um, that show was hilarious. Like, not funny because they were literally in the middle of a war, you know, patching people up and stuff like that. But oh my God, I love that show. But it does. It brings some. It brings some humor and stuff in there. Exactly. I did. I like Mash. Yeah. Also love um, Happy Days. I love. Ooh. Who does not love Henry Winkler as the? Fond? When did Happy Days start? It definitely. It was a like late. Was it a late seventies leading into the eighties? It was like mm-hmm. it ended in the like eighty three or something like that. Okay. Okay. Um. And you know what? It's so funny that you bring that one up because that show itself is a nostalgic show because it was throwing back to like the fifties, right? 60s so right. i mean for them back then in the 80s or whatever late 70s early 80s that's them going back to and taking kind of taking a look back at things that made them feel nostalgic and also you know? i still love the theme song like if we're talking oh, about classic right. theme songs the happy days theme song is up there in the top 10 with the golden Girls theme song like just it has to be uh, but i love that show because henry winkler as the bombs was the best part of the show like i know like i think the show was mostly about like the other family the Joni's family and parents and all that stuff. But Henry yeah. Winkler was literally like, the only he was literally he was like the, the he was like the best part. That's who you were really waiting to see. Exactly. Hey, you know. Exactly. And the leather jacket and the jeans <laughs> and everything. Like if if he's not wearing that outfit, then it doesn't matter. He has to wear the leather jacket and the jeans and the white t shirt. Um, love that choice. What else you got? I had a different world, of course. Yeah. I mean, it was one of those shows that kind of came in in the late 80s and kind of led up into the early 90s and stuff. But uh, it's just it's a series that and there are not too many series that I go back and just will watch like from the the beginning to the end more than one time. But that's one that I can definitely watch over and over again. Um, I even can tolerate season one. And, you know, I don't even necessarily think that season one, I mean, it. Eh, I don't know. We just kind of pretend like season one didn't happen, uh-huh. but I don't mind going back and watching it because I like seeing Lisa Bonet there. Um, and I like the episode where Rudy comes and visits her on campus and she kind of falls in love with Whitley and wants to be like her because she's uh-huh. this, you know, rich, prim, proper person. And Whitley actually doesn't care about herself, you know, for, for a moment and realizes right. that, hey, you know, I'm having too much of, a, of an effect on this girl and I don't want to hurt that relationship between her and her sister. You know, exactly. I think it's funny how they thought that Jaleesa, like, she was, like, what, 26? And they just acted like she was, like, a grandmother in college. So I, I find that to be hilarious because they're like, you're 26 and in college? What? I'm like, y'all. I really? went to school. When did I graduate from GTCC? I graduated from GTCC in 2015. So that was four years ago. I means I was 28. So shove it. Like, I, the thing is that, like, I told somebody this, and this is slightly going off track, but, like, I appreciated going to college more when I was a little bit older versus being straight out of high school. So I totally understand and identify with being a little bit older. And being yeah. Older. Um, but so, I mean, it's just, you know, stuff like that in season one, I can look at that stuff and definitely enjoy it. But, I mean, from season two on, I mean, just a phenomenal show. For me, it was the first time I had ever seen, like, the college experience filtered through that, through a black perspective like that. And I mean, I love how it took on, like I said, with the Golden Girls earlier, how it was kind of taking on those issues that other shows were shying away from, Um, particularly, you know, it's a spinoff from the Cosby show. And those were things that you never really saw dealt with in depth on that show like that. So they talked about assault 
Like they talked about relationship abuse. They had the one episode where they had the uh, student that revealed that she was, you know, HIV positive. And, you know, she was thinking that she may not even make it to graduation because her, you know, her cell count had dropped so much. And that was, again, this is during the late 80s, early 90s, you know, same time period that we're talking about with like Pose and, you know, and things like that, where it was heavily, very, very heavily stigmatized and misunderstood. Um, I love the episode about colorism where, you know, they were, you know, kind of telling, talking about the differences and stuff there. And, you know, you got fun, quirky black girls like Freddie. And then you got, you know, uh, girls that were more studious. Like they showed a wide variety of different types of young black women on the show. Yeah. I mean, and then you got the theme song, like, and I know they had a few different iterations of the theme song, but I mean, the Aretha is just the different worlds theme song. And I mean, that whole opening sequence I think it's probably one of my favorite opening sequences for a sitcom ever. I mean, look at how many people have like parodied it. And it's just so, it was so simple, but it's so good. And I'm not talking about, you know, season one was all right. Well, you know, you had, um, you had Denise, like she was in the phone booth and a hot guy walks by and they're washing the car and stuff. I'm talking about later seasons where they're kind of transitioning from room to room. You got the marching band, you got people studying, you got Dwayne Wayne there and everything. Like I love that opening sequence in particular. It definitely is an iconic opening sequence. Like one of those things. Again, going in the top ten of like greatest theme songs ever, but like just the way that they put together that opening sequence is amazing. Yeah, I mean, and it just lets you know that Debbie Allen is a, gen- a genius because she came in and always after season one, yeah, she's like, you know what, this does not look like the black college experience that I know to be true. So let me go in here and change it up. And she did simple things like putting hot sauce on the tables having you know greek life being shown and this is stuff that you really didn't see in season one and she brought those elements out and it felt so much more real and i mean this is from an experience i didn't graduate from hbcu but i did attend one for a while and i mean a lot of the elements that you saw there in the show were a part of what i experienced at hbcu mm-hmm. and this was back in 2005 2006 you know so, I mean, I just, I love that show so much. It's it's on Amazon Prime. And, I mean, I just go back through and I can rewatch certain episodes and stuff over and over again. It's got some of my favorite, like, favorite TV characters and stuff on it. It's just such a great show. And I think it, it really kind of set the stage for shows that you see on TV now, like Grownish and things like that. Like, I mean, that's basically this generation's version of a different world. Have you been watching Grownish? I started watching it and then I just, my TV calendar got so packed that it just kind of ran over. But that's one of the shows that I really, really, really want to catch up on this summer while my TV calendar is kind of light. Because I think I, you know, I was never really into blackish like that. Sorry, people. But I, I tried. It just wasn't for me. But I think Grownish, based on what I've seen so far, I was like, I think I could enjoy some parts of that. Like, um, I saw the first few episodes and then, like, it's well, good, it's- but not enough to grab my attention. But the show's not for me, which I understand. It's a little hard because I think that there's a little bit of, because like I went through the same experience with watching the new show of Boomerang. So like, whereas we're in our, you know, early thirties, these characters are like mid twenties and there's a really big difference between being in your mid twenties and your early thirties. And it's so evident to me on that show, the way that they think about things, the way that they process things, the way that they interact with each other is completely different from the way that I interact with my peers and people that are my age. And you wouldn't think so. And so I think that was kind of the thing with Grownish too, is that it's just so, even now with me, cause I've been out of college since 2009. So I mean, 10 years for me or whatever, it's just, it's so far removed from what my experience was like. Right. That it's like, 
it's kind of hard for me to grasp on. But again, like like other things that we've said this before, I know it's not for me. You know, it's for this next generation or whatever. Like a different world was was our thing or whatever that we watched and other shows that we watched about, you know, black college experience or, you know, high school experiences and stuff. Yeah. So what other shows were we watching in the 80s? Or was that it? Are we... Did you watch Amen? Uh, like a little bit, but not a whole, whole lot. I don't know why I love that show so much, but I really, really loved it. You know, it's got a good theme song. Um, it had Sherman Hemsley in there. It's like the deacon at a church who was always up to some foolishness. Um, Craig's mama, as we, as some of us know her, Anna Marie Horsefoot was in there. Um, and she was playing his daughter that was always trying to like lock down this dude. And then Bumper Robinson, you remember he was in, he's just been in like a whole bunch of stuff. He was in, uh, he played, he was in the, the Jackson 5 movie and he played Jackie? And he's been in a couple of other things too. Like he's got one of those really recognizable faces, but a lot of people don't necessarily know his name. And like, that's one of the first things that I remember seeing him in. Is in Amen? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, but he was only in, in like the, I'm pretty sure that you know him. Like he's been in a lot of stuff. He's got a real familiar face. So I'm trying to think about what else he, what else you would know him from. Think, 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 think. Come on now, show me a yeah, picture. No, yeah, he was Jackie in a in the Jacksons uh, movie. Oh yeah, he was that on a guy. different. Yeah, he was in a different world because he played Dorian in a different world. Um, think, 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 think. Oh no, no, no! I know exactly what you're talking about now. Like he's been on Steve Harvey more. I think I think he was on Steve Harvey's show and a couple of other things too. But he's got like that face where it's like you see this dude all the what time. What an interesting name. But you're not sure. Well, you're not sure who he is. And like when you think Bumper, you're thinking it's gonna be like a eighty five year old person. Yeah. That's and he's like 45. <laughs> right, but the thing is, like, I don't even think Bumper is like his real first name, so I don't it know why he be. chose that. It cannot be. That's just... But either way, like, he's one of those actors that's been in a whole bunch of stuff. He stay working. And he stay working. He may not be, like, you know, what people consider to be A-list or, like, blockbusters or anything like that, but he, he keeps a job. He like him, does a whole he's bunch like, of he's in, work. He's in that Shamar Moore range, like, where they just, they keep a job all the time and just mind their business outside of work. Shamar Moore stays with a job. Stay stays with a job. Stays with a job. And stay with a job on Instagram. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Listen, he's li- he out here living his best life. He got his, you know, his glass of wine. He's out here turning up and stuff like that. I love him. He's always, I'm, no. Not. I had to drag somebody on, on Twitter one day because they were really trying to say that he was like, they were like, you know, oh, he's a reject or something like that. Or what have you really done? I'm like, dude, he has had a job since like the early 90s. Shut up. I have not. Like he literally hasn't taken a break. He went from being on Criminal Minds for like 12 years mm-hmm straight to being on his own show that he's still leading now and SWAT is actually an amazing show yeah but I kind of just miss him as um you miss him on Criminal Minds I do yes yeah I miss Derek too like him and Reed and uh why am I so bad with names today him I don't know I don't know what's going Reed on Reed and the white chick that's behind the computer Oh, oh, what uh, is her name? It's right I there. don't know. It's what is her name? I know one girl's name is Princess, and one girl's name is JJ, and there's another girl. I cannot think of her name right now. Damn it, this is gonna bug me for the rest of the night. 
Is it Penelope? It's not. It is Penelope Garcia. Is it Penelope? <laughs> I was like, is it Penelope? Oh, I'm sorry, Penelope. I didn't mean to do that to you. You're like my favorite character on that show. I haven't watched Criminal Minds in so long. I had to stop watching it because it was, I was like, this is getting like in my psyche too much. Look, I mean, I need to back off of this Once show. they put Reed in jail, I was like, ah, uh, y'all doing the most. <laughs> like, yeah, they, they did a lot. That. Not only did they put Reed in jail, but they put him in like a Mexican prison. And I'm just like, you did what now? To Reed? No, 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 no. Absolutely. And then they killed his girlfriend. I'm sorry, oh. we are so off the beaten path of this podcast. But I was really mad when they killed his girlfriend and then put him in jail. It was a mess. So yeah, I mean that's all that I had. Of course, there's so many more things that we could name and say and stuff, but we have already been running for quite some time now. So I think we're gonna wrap this thing up. What were some of your favorite uh, TV shows, sitcoms? game shows you know which are some that i definitely like as well too and other things that you were watching on television um what are your favorite theme songs do you love the golden girls theme song or is there another one that you think can maybe even rival that one from the 80s any suggestions any answers to those questions make sure that you send them over to us on twitter using the hashtag nostalgia mix pod we're checking it to look for your answers um and we look forward to speaking with you guys on twitter Look forward to inter- interacting with you. Thank you guys so much for kind of hanging out with us on Tuesday nights for the Pose live tweet. It's been so much fun. It is so much fun and it's just such a good show. And so we really appreciate you guys for that. And we will see you next time. Yep. Bye.